powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Joy State Studios in California. It's episode 216 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Carson Serino of Serino Cigar Company as our special guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Delos Ray Cigars. Dagos Race introduced another chapter of the saga, the saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a brand of Criollo lore and Piloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes and affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in uh, the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and fillet tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Estate Selection Vintage, Perdomo Double Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And I want to mention Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of our Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands of Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of our JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of the Farm, or Casa Fernandez cigars, you will experience the unique and taste of aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And finally, I want to mention Drew Estate. Drew Estate's about to make someone a whole lot richer. During its freestyle live shows on the company's Facebook live page, Drew Estate announced it will hold a Bitcoin sweepstakes with numerous incredible prizes during upcoming freestyle live events, including a grand prize of one filled Bitcoin for a lucky fan to be announced during the February 17th, 2022 edition of Freestyle Live. Entry into the unheralded Drew Estate Bitcoin sweepstakes is simple. During each of the company's three upcoming freestyle live event shows, Held on October 15th and November 11th, and now upcoming on January 20th, 2022, the company will randomly select the names of five people who attend the online show and comment during specific times in each broadcast as potential winners of an assortment of fantastic prizes. The five winners from each of the three shows will create a contestant pool of 15 people eligible to win the grand prize Bitcoin. You can learn more at DrewEstate.com or Drew Estate's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Drew Estate. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network shows, as well as the California studios for the Primetime show, is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime, episode 216. And today is Thursday, January 13th, 2022. Will Cooper in the Perdomo Scott Studios on the Black Stage tonight. And I'm joined across country by my friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. 
How you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing I'm doing good here. Uh um a, a great week for me, uh, you know, sports wise. Yeah. yeah. Uh ding dong, the coach is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I couldn't but be you happy. still got the ownership. That's the bigger problem, right? Oh, they always, always gotta go. I know that's that's another story. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it you know, it's kind of funny because you know, growing up in New York, we got spoiled by 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 the the patriarchs of that family who were really just good owners. And, and, you know, I think for a while we, we had the coattails of that. Now that the, the son's been running the team for the last decade, it, he's running into the ground and it, it's clear. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we, it was, uh, you know, it started out, he didn't get fired and then he got fired. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens, you know? Uh, you know, the funny thing is, like I said, Hector's dolphins coach gets fired and uh He's yeah, when they, when they see a coach with a winning record get fired, right? And they're like, ah, I think we have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> they fired this problem. guy. I mean, uh, <laughs> what do you do? You get this guy. But uh, but now 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 we'll get to see if they really bungle this whole coaching search up, um, which which is going to be interesting to see. Uh, they have to hire a GM, too. So, um, you know, you could go with the way the bears are doing it. They're just looking coach interviewing coaches and GMs at the same time. The Giants aren't going to do that. It's hard to tell which is the right way or not, is what I'll be. I'll be honest. I'd love to see them interviewing coaches right now, but another way is, you know, you got to have you got to have the organization in place, and and that organization needs to be imploded on top of bringing in a general manager. So there's a lot. I think they recognize that that needs to be done before they can think about who's going to run the team on the field. So maybe they'll be really progressive and just decide no head coach. Um, the Giants would do that to save a buck. You know, just do it by committee, want... by committee of assistance. There you they, go. They, they didn't want to give Pepsis out to their fans. What is that? that <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think they're going to pay a coach, right? <laughs> How do you bungle up giving free Pepsi to your fans? But the Giants found a way to do it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, hey, let's get into things tonight, Aaron, because we have a guy mm-hmm. uh, making a return. It's been a long time since he's been on the show. Yeah. Uh, he's a good friend of ours, um, a big part of the uh why this show is in existence today uh him and his company uh it's uh carson sereno sereno cigar company carson welcome back to prime time hey guys good to be here good to um be- yeah yeah i appreciate you guys having me back it's been a while last time i was here uh it, it was the sereno studio yeah i miss seeing it back there. <laughs> well every episode's preserved with the sereno cigar studios and and i do mean what i said you were a big part of the launch of this show that and i'm glad that those shows will live on uh, in the annals of history forever so we we really thank you for that and we're really glad to have you on the show as well yeah me too i mean when i think you were a big part of our launch of like launching the sereno cigar company i'm pretty sure that we did that in like 2017 or 2018 yeah. 2017 and, uh, yeah and we started in 2016, so you guys were like our first major sponsorship. That yeah. right, right. Yeah. It, no, and it, it, like I said, you know, sponsorships we know are finite. Uh, relationships can go on forever, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, I remember Carson. I was like so excited when I heard because I, I loved Omar's blending. Uh, you know, Omar uh, Almaden's blending that he has done over the years. And I, and when you told me this whole the story of the company and. We'll get into a little bit of that. I was very excited because I w- these blends that were going to come out because I was just a big fan of what he was doing at the time and still is. Yeah. Uh, likewise, I love everything Omar makes. And uh, yeah. for people who don't know, Omar Gonzalez-Alamon and La Corona Factory and Esteli Nicaragua is the, uh, 
I feel like there's a handful of Omars in the industry. So you got to like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, I was hesitant. Do I say, Oh man, I'm like, and I'm like trying to process. Cause there is, you're right. There is a lot of Omars in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, we, we love what he does. Uh, you know, La Corona factory, La Corona farms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's just great. Um, so yeah, we started with him in 2015, even though, we knew him for a long time, all the way back from like 20, 2010, 2009. And uh, yeah, it's just been a great relationship ever since. That That's great. Now, for folks who, you know, it's been a while since you're on, by, but um, for your father, a big part of this industry for a long time. Talk about uh, what your father's role has been in the industry for a while and then kind of how Sereno Cigar Company came about. Yeah, so... Um, I am 32. It's been about 29 years that he's been in the industry. I was two or three years old. Um, and originally started with him just doing, uh, doing some private blends out of Little Havana and selling it to local cigar shops in Miami-Dade, Miami Broward County, um, which then graduated, I would say, in the mid-90s to My Cigar Club, which was a retail store. Um, two retail stores. And, uh, from that, you know, we had the retail front and then also like supplied about like 30 stores in the area and, uh, really started developing our own blends. And then after that, you know, as accounts grew, um, started moving on to Florida and then the Southeast and the rest of the country. But what he really specialized in was doing naked bundles and naked blends. Um, a lot of different bundle products for, uh, for brick and mortars to pretty much just be able to buy three or four bundles at a time and not have to like commit to a thousand bundles or, you know, five, 6,000 cigars from a factory, which, you know, is pretty, it, it's just not, it's, it's not in the cards for a lot of like small mom and pop. So uh, giving them a diversity of blends and uh, you know, somewhat saying like a, a, a blending way in creating private labels for all these like uh, brick and mortars that were started off in like late nineties, early two thousands. And now today we're in, you know, a thousand different retail stores across the country with doing private labels. And then after that, you know, once we got the bundle business and a lot of like uh, valued our started making our own value brands with boxes, um, started just developing more relationships and moved on to create our own brand and our own line. And that's how Sereno cigars came. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of the end cap of all, all the experience and different connections we made in the industry. You know, when you, for folks may know, when you go, when you guys are at the trade show, um, the, the APS, APS is the company, APS distributors. It, yeah. It's a, it's a big boost. People don't, and because there's a lot of business that you guys use do and, and you know i know sereno is a growing brand certainly but when i think you don't really i mean when i went i remember when i went first went into the booth and i saw the breadth of what you guys were doing uh it was quite impressive um so it, you have you guys have really built something up your family's built something up over the years with that yeah and we also like to stay with the aps like we like it to be more of a business to business thing uh uh channel so not so because we have over 200 private brands or 200 private blends that we offer to 
retail fa- uh, retail stores. And then we also kind of pick and choose in the area so that everyone has like a unique blend right. and, uh, you know, has so that they call them their house blends and their house bundles. And, uh, and we kind of like it to be that way. And then Sereno is supposed to be our more like, you know, publicized, also a place where we could get creative and make blends we really loved. And uh, those are kind of the two departments of Sereno and APS. But yeah, APS is like our distributorship and the private blending side of, of the business. Did, did the relationship with Omar come because of the business you were doing at APS? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, uh, um, we started distributing a brand that, a smaller brand that, uh, it wasn't even Cubanicon that uh, Omar was making. And uh, that's how that started. And then Cubanicon happened and he started working with them. And then after all that kind of transpired, um, we started making our own blends with them. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess people, you know, as I've learned, um, the, again, the private label business is a lot of times, a lot of work creates a lot of work for these factories and it keeps the lights on and certainly is oh, yeah. a, a moneymaker for them. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely like downtime, especially when you're making brands that retail at 10, 12, it's not as high volume as people think it is. So there is a lot of downtime to start creating, you know, naked bundles, naked brands, and trying to figure out what to do with, uh, you know, all the excess tobacco, excess time. And, and that's kind of where we get really creative too. And it's a lot of fun. It's not like just something to, to, uh, you know, pass the time for us. It's, we actually really get into, you know, helping all these little brick and mortars create unique blends for themselves. And we even do some private labeling, like branding for them too. And I love doing branding. So I actually have been doing more for, for, uh, in, um, brick and mortar stores and, and helping them create their own brands and just, uh, bringing them in with, you know, the people who import for us and import with us and, um, distributing it to them and then also doing our own blends. Yep. So when were you, when you kind of launched, um, Sereno, the premium brands, mm-hmm. um, you were already working in APS at the time, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I worked at my cigar club all through high school, um, okay. which was my cigar club ended up, there's two little retail bays. We had a retail storefront and then a club, and then we closed the club down and, uh, turned that one into a distribution center. And I worked the retail bay on the other side. And then also I'd hop over to the distribution place, like on the last hour and start packing and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so it, it was a good high school gig. I also met a lot of people in the industry being on the retail front, uh, in, in the South Florida area. And uh, then I went to school. And then once I got out of school, I returned to APS. And that's also right when Sereno started as well. Oh, okay. And um, so you, you got involved, obviously, with Sereno. And I know you launched the original core lines, but was Wayfarer kind of, which was your second brand you did, mm-hmm. was that kind of like your baby in terms of like, okay, so you had the Sereno lines and they were going to have the Sereno name on it. But, but with Wayfarer, was that like more of your concept in terms of developing that particular brand? Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, my dad was pretty hands off. And uh, my uncle also works at the business too. 
Um, but yeah, he was hands off with Wayfarer and it looks different than Serena. Serena That's what I'm saying, yeah. Um, and he loves that brand. Uh, and I do too. It, so I, I was happy with the Serena brand as well. But yeah, Wayfair was more of our uh, our kind of segue into you know all the next generation of Serena brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Wayfair I did, and it was a lot about the story of you know um, me traveling through Europe a lot and smoking a lot of different cigars and kind of creating a profile around those cigars that I I, I enjoyed uh, along my travels, and then I also did all the branding and design work. Uh, with a good friend of mine and, uh, and, and the blending too. I went down to La Corona and, uh, you know, worked with Omar and, and smoked all the Puritos. And that was like my first, you know, real, real, uh, uh, foray into, into creating a, a product for Serena Cigar Company. Nice. Nice. I remember, um, you said Europe. It was Iceland in particular, wasn't that? Was, I, was yeah. it that Iceland trip that actually inspired that? Yeah, it was Iceland. Um, yeah, and uh, we called it Wayfair because stayed at a bunch of Airbnbs, traveled the whole country. Um, there wasn't that many cigar shops. There's only like three in the whole country. Yep. Um, and you pretty much just got like the you know the the uh, meat and potatoes of Cuban brands there. Right. Um, but it's still enough to like, you know, satisfy you. And, uh, I, I left all of my cigars at home, That's which right. I yeah. a little like, uh, um, humidor packed. And, uh, we stopped at the duty free store and then one store in Reykjavik and, uh, just kind of picked up, uh, everything I could. And, and that lasted me the three weeks. Then we also stopped in England after that for a week and a half. And I, I got a bunch of good smokes there. Um, but yeah, it was mainly Iceland. I, that was, I remember you were talking about that trip, I think, when you were on the show last time. Yeah. I thought it was like a great story. And you, I remember, I think we talked a bunch about Iceland, too, after that. So, yeah, that was yeah. that was awesome. Oh, and a very, very good cigar. Very good cigar, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was supposed to not, like, just be a, a rinse and repeat of a Cuban blend. Like, we wanted it to be Nicaraguan, too, like a little bit spicier and got more bite to it. Uh, but kind of try to incorporate that like saltiness and oak flavors from a lot of Cuban brands. Um, trying to recall what brands I really loved on that trip. And it's like not coming yeah. to me. You know? But uh, um, yeah, it, that was a fun project. And yeah. ever since I've been doing a lot of the branding and, and uh, product development stuff for Sereno. What was really cool about that and about that line um, still is. It, I mean, you had a lot. I remember you were playing around with the caps in that line. You were inspired by different types of caps that you put. Like, I remember the, uh, you know, you had the 109 on the, I believe it was the Toro. Mm-hmm. Right. So talk a little about that, because I thought that was like a really unique concept that I haven't seen done. Like different Vitolas, each having a unique cap. Yeah. Um, so. I've always just like, we, we stuck with all traditional Cuban caps and 109 was a mold that when Omar from La Corona, where he took the namesake of La Corona in Cuba, he did a 109 for Romeo and Julieta. Um, so there is some connection there. <coughs> um, and he always talks about his favorite just being a classic triple cap. Um, so we did one with a classic triple cap. 
And then one with a Perea cap was that kind of fantail, yep. uh, which is on Bahikes. And there's a few other handful of brands that yeah. they use that for. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to like really incorporate all the different styles and molds that we could for Wayfair. Um, I smoked a, a Romeo 109 at La Corona uh, that he had, and I thought it was awesome. And I just really loved the kind of blunted, blunted bellicoso, I would say. Yeah. Um, like yeah. a bellicoso with a flat, flat end. Um, and I just thought that was really cool. And uh, yeah, I didn't smoke any Bahikes on that trip or anything. Uh, <laughs> those were kind of, I don't yeah. think they were available in Iceland. Um, yeah. uh, but I've always loved that little fantail cap and, and thought it was really classy. And to put that on a, uh, a Robusto, that's what we ended up doing. And uh, then, yeah, we just use a classic triple cap that's, you know, used in a lot of different Parejo molds in, in Cuba, pretty much like 90% of them. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fantastic line in my, it's, it's in my book, it's great. I mean, great price point you had on that thing. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it was very, I mean, all those cigars, I think were under $10, if I'm, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like it still does really well for us. Like I always get a kick out of like when cigars are released like three or four years before and they like somehow win a list. Like we just won, won a list with Wayfair. I was like, that came out like, (laughs) (laughs) but I got the email. I was just like, all right. Um, This has been a big discussion of Aaron and I this week. Uh, Whether, you know, there's, there's like, I, I feel I'm like on the sides, we got to start smoking some of these older ones and Aaron, it's not that you're against it, but it's it's a very flawed way Aaron's pointing right. out to me. So yeah. not this. So it was like an interesting. It's timely that you said that actually because we were just talking about this today. Actually, yeah, yeah, no, uh, it won for 2021. It got like Cigar Club Cigar of the Year, uh, and I I just looked at the email. I was like, well, one, I thought it was going to be Eleanor Rose once I got saw like the headline like Studio yeah. or like Serena wins Cigar of the Year, and uh, I was like, oh, Wayfair got it. Okay, cool. Um, um, I'm super appreciative and happy yeah. that it did. It was just a surprise. It threw me off. Yeah, I um, mean, it, it's saying something that the, the the brand has got some legs over a period of time, which I like. Yeah. I like that actually. So, yeah. What is your guys' take on uh, on like cigar lists and and release dates? You go first, Aaron. Unless you want me to. Uh, my my whole thing is around uh how much how much you can review in a given year, right? Like even if you want, if you're just like if you're just focusing on uh new releases, like a lot of us do, you still can't smoke all the new releases, so you're not going to get through everything. But if you also want to try to lump in or just focus on existing brands, that list is even longer. So if you're trying to go like year over year to figure out which one's like the best, uh, you know, for kind of each year's production, you need like a massive team to try to make that happen. And I'm just like this year's releases are enough. Like the, if we start lumping in all the other, the older ones, it's just going to be like a, a mess. So, I mean, more power to the people that want to give it a shot. I just don't, it's what, when you do that, you're going to have to narrow it down to something. And then people are going to say, well, why didn't you smoke this? Why didn't you smoke that? And then you're like, ah, I can't please anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I, I think there's a difference between best new cigar and best performing cigar. Yeah. Um, and you know, a problem I've been having with a lot of lists lately is a cigar comes out in December and it's, it's a cigar. It's on the cigar of the year at the end of the year. And I'm like, that's just kind of like doesn't make sense to me. Right. So, I mean, I've done some things adjusting the dates and stuff like that. So I'm kind of along the lines. OK, there's cigars that are performing well. But Aaron's point 
is right on target because how do you do that without cherry picking brands? That's the problem you'll have with that. So there isn't a good answer to, to get kind of my, to my Shangri-La because like I said, what do I pick? Oh, and Aaron says someone's going to get butthurt if they're not picked throughout the year. Yeah. So I don't have a good answer other than, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I just, but I'm just not, I think there's a distinction between best new cigar and best performing cigar but you're never going to really know what the true best performing cigar is. It's, it's, it's going to be almost impossible as Aaron said. Yeah. I personally, from my, where I'm sitting from, because I don't really care when I first started, I, I'm not going to lie. I like really tried to seek out and like win the lists all the time, but now I'm just all about, you know, put your best foot forward and whatever happens, that's going to, it's going to happen if it does or, or it doesn't. Um, and just hope people, you know, the end consumer ends up enjoying it. But I think it should be six quarters, like 18 months. Because, yeah, I do two years. I do two years. Yeah. Because I, you know, this one, uh, I really love this cigar. And I was thinking about it and we released it like November 1st or November 5th. I'm like, that's no way that's going to win anything. Um, well, see, at Coop and I, we start our year November 1st. Yeah. Okay. So it's so, okay. Yeah. So yeah. exactly. So we go November 1st to Halloween. And that's okay. and that gives us like, like yeah. a two month buffer before we release the lists, okay. So that we have a chance to smoke through stuff that's like released at the end of October, and yeah. we're not like rushing right. it in. So right, we, we kind of do an altered thing so yeah. to try to get around some of that, but it's not. Yeah, good. I think that's a good way to do it. Also, so IPCPR is usually July. Yeah. Or PCA now. I still always call it IPCPR. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, I feel like you could get last year's PCA. That's kind of what I yeah. do. Yeah, I feel like that's like reasonable. That that's the approach I take. Uh, and then the other problem we were having with a calendar year approach is you have this like a uh, hockey stick of reviews in like October and November, and it's just it's not fair. It's not a fair approach. So adjusting the times helps. It does help. I think. It, I think. And Aaron, you, you. This is like your second year doing it now. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it helps. I think it does help with the hockey stick a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then this way, someone doesn't get excluded because you just didn't get to their cigar. Yeah. And that's also got to be like madness on your end. Like all these cigars come out in July. It's and you yeah. You know, the first six months are somewhat of a wash, and then you got to try to get everything in in those like last four and a half months. Yeah, I I toyed with the idea of starting the like kind of the cycle like Jan uh, July first, so that like you get the rush kind of at the beginning of your year, mm -hmm. and then you kind of announce the cigar of the year like ahead of, right ahead of the trade show. But yeah. like, kind of a, it's an industry of like, I don't want to say followers, an industry of like tradition where like it has to happen. Like kind of January, no, December, January to announce. So if you do it, yeah. if you called it the 21-22 cigar year and you did it and, you know, released it right at the, you know, 1st of July, I don't think people would uh, buy into it as much. Yeah. yeah. So, so Serena, uh, Carson, here's my other um, wrinkle I have that's a little different than Aaron. So my review cycle is November 1st, October 31st, being I had to smoke it during that time. But anything that comes out at the trade show, is not eligible until the following year because I had this problem of, you know, and I'm a smaller review team. So, um, yeah, I can't, I'm a one man show is what happened. Um, and then it all takes is one, one, one December that you're in the hospital and your list is screwed up. Oh, so, yeah. um, which happened to me. So yeah, I had to realize I had to make some adjustments with that, uh, at least being a small review team to do that.
Yeah, it definitely is an industry of tradition. Yeah. Because what Aaron said makes the most sense. Like you should release it. I think that would give you a lot of like push going into the trade yep, show. Exactly. Well, you could like, you just announce it, you go in, yeah. you hand out the awards. You're like, it's, it's, it's the, yeah. And, and here's the thing, like in TPE, this is nothing against TPE. This is not TPE's fault. They, they are trying to get people to release stuff for January and it, they're not used to it. Like you said, this is the, they just have the routine, the cigar industry. They're on these cycles. I'm sure the factories are on these cycles and it's not that easy to change it. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, when did CA, I don't even know how long it's been. CA started that and then I feel like, you know, Half Will and everybody else kind of stamped it and that's just the way it's it's set in stone now. Yeah. It, there is uh, one company that does it middle of the year, but I don't think they get a lot of traction on that list. Um, um, I want to say it's like Rob Report or something like that, that they do it. Yeah. Which is a small list to begin with. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's kind of how, how that works. Um, but I rem- I'm just looking at my list, for example. I had the Serena Royale uh, Medio on my list in uh, 2018, the year after uh, it came out. So it was out. It was already out for a year when I when I made my list. So okay, yeah. So like I said I kind of have always worked like that the last few years, just because uh, it it makes a little more sense, um, and then it allows me to kind of assess the cigar over a period of time. Like I can, I'll go back and informally smoke it, and then towards the end I'll smoke it again. So I can kind of what I do is a little different. I can kind of see how it changes over time. So which is a consistent over that time. So everyone has a different. Aaron said there is no, like, I can find flaws in the way I do it as well. It, 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 every system is just about flawed is what I'll find. Yeah. Except Aaron. Aaron's got a good system. I have a perfect system. You have a perfect, because Aaron's, Aaron's is straightforward. This is what it scores. Yeah. <laughs> so he keeps it easy. I mean, so. I, I really love that on Aaron's list. They, like, uh, they average in the score. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think, because I think that's a, that's a good uh, you know, barometer of of what the end user wants too. They want to know what they're getting for their money. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think that's like a good uh, a good wrinkle to say, like to have in all the lists and just reviews in general. Um, yeah, yeah. But then it, what happens with Aaron is they say when they don't like his review, they don't understand his system. Yeah. <laughs> that's. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know what I do? I send people to the Dave Portnoy pizza videos and hey, do you understand that? And it's exactly the same concept that you're yeah. saying. <laughs> but I understand it for pizza. That's but it, it goes back again, Carson, to your point. The industry is so used to this 90-point system, they can't get they can't wrap around it. it, it I think there yeah. is some truth that they don't understand it to some extent. <laughs> yeah. And I just think historically, like anything under 90 just looks bad. Like, yeah, it's it's and that's uh, not how the system was originally implemented. That's not how it was, you know. It, so. Online media inflated that whole system. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Is like you know, aficionado kind of I think has it. They're like eighty eight is their average. Um, mm-hmm. but I was even in part of that inflation. I think at one time too, and uh, you know, but then online media started taking it where ninety three is a below average score on some sites. Um, so and it's yeah. just. Yeah, it's it's all skewed. It's all off. Is what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, it might. It was probably before my time. You know, being thirty one, thirty two. 
somebody told me at one point cigar aficionado is pretty pretty tough on everything they were they were i think they still are but they've loosened up the higher scores is what happened yeah. so they get they'll give out more higher scores than they used to is at least that's my perception of it i'm not saying if there's any accuracy to that yeah, they're no, they're still tough. But somebody at one point was telling me like a mid eighties was still like a really, really yeah. good. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like now you see a mid eighties, you're like, oh, they'll like say it's top. above average. If you look at their scoring ranges, like an 86 yeah. is not a bad score in their book. Okay. But it's now today, like companies are, are furious if they get an 86. Yeah. Um, I mean, let alone get a 6.1 from Aaron. It's like <laughs> <laughs> they're ready to have them. They're ready to ship them out. Yeah. <laughs> this factories with his picture on the wall. Don't come in. Don't let him in this factory. <laughs> uh, no, so that's good. That's good. But yeah. uh, no, I mean, uh, it's. Uh, I never get mad about the ratings anymore. Like I know everyone's got their own little system, and like, um, I don't think I ever really did. Like it's just, you know, that's yeah. just the. Uh... I think for a new company, you did reasonably well. Two out of the gate. Um especially the first two lines we'll get it we're gonna get into the tandem lines in a second um but yeah i mean i think out of the gate you came you guys came out very strong with, with your your releases so i think you yeah. had a lot of that going for you which helped but what happens is it sets the bar high going forward oh yeah 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 so um no score you you hit like uh you hit one of our favorite topics on the show actually <laughs> uh, no i do you get a lot of pushback about your your rating system Oh yeah. Especially yeah. since I tightened up the scoring a lot. Yeah. But Aaron is worse. I'll let Aaron talk to that. Yeah. I just think, you know, being somewhat polarizing, but I get it. So, you know, yeah, that's the, that's the reason we, we chose to do it is that we didn't want to use that other system because it felt like it had been kind of like bastardized a bit to kind of be on the higher side. Right. And, uh, do something unique. And, um, I don't know if somebody's filling out a satisfaction survey and they say rate it between, you know, zero and 10, and, you know, if you're, if it just met your expectations, it's a five people know how to fill that out. Right. But they just, when they see the scores they, for cigars, they just don't, they can't correlate. So it's 50, um, it's a 50 is what they look at them for. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. They think it trans, they think our system translates exactly to a hundred point system, which is not the case. So, but we, we went in knowing that that was going to be the battle and people have told us that like, Oh, if you guys really want to get some more traction, you probably should go to the hundred point systems. Like we're good. I, I think we'll stick with what we got. <laughs> Yeah. It's certainly yeah, you, you use the word iron disruptor. And yeah. uh I think you're starting to see the disruption in action. I mean, I'm I'm seeing your videos just get exploding in traction lately. So yeah. I mean it uh it's we, we even do a music show. The the, the show I, I do another music show on cigars, uh, Carson. And we, mm -hmm. we do a developing palettes review every week just to kind of <laughs> because the videos are so much fun. <laughs> so, yeah. We just started talking about one of their reviews every week. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. No, what so. other is there? Do you incorporate price into yours, Will? No, uh, but I have a value. I have a value rank, uh, assessment. So, like a cigar, a cigar could score like a a uh, a ninety. Let's say, let's say no. A cigar scores like an eighty-nine or ninety, right? Which is a good rating. But if the cigar is fifty dollars, I'm going to say you may want to try a sample before buying one. You know, so I have stuff going from not recommended to try a sample, to buy one, buy multiples, box, etc. And that is independent of the score. The score does not put price into it. Okay. So you can look at the numeric score and you can do the value rating, 
and say, you know what, a, a cheaper cigar at a score of 89 is probably going to get maybe something where you'd buy a, a, a box or something because it's, it's yeah. inexpensive as opposed to like a $40 cigar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Does anyone really else incorporate, you know, the value of the cigar or like point, point per dollar type deal? <laughs> I, think some, I think some sites. You do. You do. Have a, yeah, we do that. But I mean, I think some sites, um, they might give uh, like a bonus point or something like that. If it's right. like, if they have a value to it, I'm trying to, I don't remember if, how about that does anything with the, with the value on, on they it. Have this, they don't add it in, but they have that plus minus factor. Yeah. Based yeah. on the, on the, so on, I think some people smoke might. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know half will, will like comment about like a price in their footnote, but I don't think that's like in their little rubric at all. No, no I don't uh, think it plays into the score at all. Yeah. 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 It's, and I don't, I don't know that, you know, I guess you could do it if you set your system up that way. Um, but, you know, the more expensive cigars are just going to be penalized kind of by that typically. So, yeah. um, and, you know, we all, we all know that, you know, cost of things are going up. So the prices of the cigars are going to be, you know, rising. So, you know, if people do that, they may have to adjust that for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I just did some pricing analysis I published today. And it was really interesting, Carson, because... Uh, the higher the price of cigar, the higher the average went to a certain point, and then it dipped. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. It maybe is a testament to better quality at, at, at a, on some of these higher price cigars, is what I found out. Mm-hmm. So, but but uh, it, it's it was a little unscientific too because it's my opinion. So, you know, but yeah. it was it was based on I did all the analytics on it. Yeah, there's definitely a sweet spot of like where perceive like perception and also the quality in that like once it gets too high people feel like they're you know overpaying and if it's also like a little bit too low people think that it's a uh, you know a uh too much of a value stick yeah yeah and i'll say like um like we've, we've already started getting into our 2022 reviews and like i think we're like 12 cigars in and we haven't smoked anything that's less than $13 yet. Like one of the first cigars that we're going to get that sub $10 is going to be the Eleanor Rose. Like yeah. it, that's where we're at now. Yeah. Like where, where cigars are, are, are being priced at. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I, I haven't quite gotten into that, but what I'm seeing is there's definitely uh it's definitely going to be hitting that where, and I'll go back again, even with my price analysis, there were only two cigars that I reviewed under $6 which if I went back five or six years ago, it would have been probably 20, yeah. you know, out of 150 to 175 reviews I do. So, you know, it, it definitely is those lower end prices are, are getting harder to find. Yeah. We definitely had a long conversation about Eleanor Rose, um, about where it should be priced. And I don't know, you know how it's packaged. Cause I sent yeah. you, that's yeah. where we saved the money. Um, yeah. Yeah, we were either is either going to go in a box and we're going to have to jack it up a bit, um, just because material costs, or you know butcher paper it and and try to provide some value in a, in a year where that was really tough to do. Mm-hmm. Um, You've been critical of that, okay, but not for a cigar of this price, okay? Which is again, it's not a cheap cigar, but it's not you know my issues. Is I've seen companies that are doing this with ultra premium cigars. <laughs> Right, twenty dollars cigars in butcher paper. That's where I have a little bit of a problem with that. But yeah. this, which is an everyday cigar, I'm okay with that. But despite yeah. what people say, I hate the butcher paper. So, <laughs> yeah, 
You hate the butcher paper or people in general? I hate the butcher paper because you can't see them in the retailers. Yeah. Like, so they have to open the top or they have to put them in some sort of a tray is mm-hmm. the issue. At least with the cello, I can see through it. Um, and, and, and then retailers get mad, you know, they don't want you pulling those cigars out. That's where I, I don't like that. I think they work well, though, with online sales. Yeah. So I think it's, it works really good with online sales. And you did a unique approach with this, right? This Eleanor Rose, which I'll, I'll segue into, because you kind of did a test. You kind of tested it out with an online retailer before taking it regular production. Yeah, we did one size and we actually really like that now. Uh, doing teasing them out through, I know you hate teasers, but like <laughs> um, teasing them out through a subscription company. And you're not teasing, the cigars are there. You're not just saying, you know, yeah. you, you, they're out there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but using them and also using subscription companies with analytics mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just figuring out, making sure that there's no burn issues or mm-hmm. crazy, crazy kind of uh, uh, um, construction issues or, and also getting a little bit of buzz and rush going and getting some feedback as well. And, uh, and then doing a full release. So it worked well for us with Eleanor Rose. Um, you know, we got all a bunch of positive response and then also got good response on like the butcher paper with those customers too, because they offered them to their customers in the butcher paper, which that is an online sale. Um, since then, some retailers are like, when are these coming out in boxes? And they still like picked them up, but they're like, we'd really like to display these out on the shelf. Um, so yeah, that's going to be the next step with Studio Sereno stuff, um, trying to figure that out and, and keeping them around the same price. So, And, and Studio Sereno, for people who may not be familiar, it's a, it's a new kind of an offshoot of your company. Maybe talk a little about what's behind Studio Sereno. Um, okay. So it's something that where, you know, me, my dad, other people in the company where it's going to sound like, I I hope not like self-interested, but Mm -hmm. where we really just don't care about like, Oh, big gauges are selling this year. Like this is the size that's selling this year. Be like what we like. And just like, you guys got to like, this is how we want to make cigars. So like, this is what we really like to make. And we will start them off in smaller quantities and And so that if, you know, for some reason it goes south for sales, that it's not a, um, you know, a huge liability to the company, but it's really all passion stuff, like stuff, the way we want to make cigars and like in the sizes we like, and with backstories we like, and, and uh, as much, we always appreciate our retailers and love them. But like, sometimes I feel like people are like Robusto Toro only because that's all that's being pushed down back down the line. Like you're not getting, and then as manufacturers, that's all you push forward. You're not experimenting outside, outside the box and really like trying to push those certain lines. Like uh, we had for the longest time, people telling us like torpedoes were dead or like, you know, figure autos were dead. The Eagles are bestseller right now. And that might be because we're like really passionate about the Eagle size. Mm-hmm. I like that um, size. Yeah. That was when I smoked. Yeah, you know, it was something that with other other Sereno products, we didn't really make a torpedo or a figurado on both ends like that. So it was something where we were just like, hey, we're going to do it the way, make cigars the way we want to make them. And and uh, and also try to really get enthusiastic to retailers and the end user about them and 
and and and break the mold a bit. Yeah, I remember though um when you guys launched um the original Sereno line, um one of the sizes you had was that tapered gordo. Um right, you had a tapered gordo, didn't you in there? Yeah. Yeah, really and I always thought you guys yeah, you guys, I always thought you guys did some really fun stuff with with that. I remember the the Connecticut had a torpedo. I love that Connecticut yeah. torpedo that you had. So I'm, yeah, I'm glad they kind of carried that over with this. Connecticut. Yeah. That Bellicosa on the Medio line did not do well, though. So after that, we got mm. really, like, reserved about, about experimenting. And then kind of after uh, Wayfair and Taino, because Wayfair, it, it's a fun project, but they are still all pretty standardized. Even, like, 109 is a standard Toro size. Yeah. Um, and then you have your Robusto and uh, a standard Corona Gorda. Um, but, uh, yeah, the since then eagle for eleanor rose is like the first kind of figurato perfecto type cigar we've ever made so oh it's, it's like i said it, that was a fun size to smoke for sure um as far as that goes the the name eleanor rose i i guess i get the rose part rosado wrapper on here what's the eleanor piece how'd that come about um well one when we were looking at the labeling it like there's a bunch of stuff but uh it said ecuador Ecuadorian mm. Rosado and it looked like Eleanor. Um, okay. So it kind of like just <laughs> first. Um, but the whole Studio Sereno thing, uh, it's studio because me and my dad both play musical instruments. Uh, when we were both growing up, it was funny. We learned off like Beatles stuff. Um, I mean, thinks, I think Eleanor Rigby with this song. Uh, this yeah, cigar. exactly. Yeah. yeah, he learned a lot of like, he played piano Eleanor Rigby. He still plays all the time. And it comes from Revolver where one of the sizes is called Revolver. Um, yeah, yeah. and revolver is the album that eleanor rigby is on yeah. and uh the eagle i play guitar and there's a song called this uh and your bird can sing mm-hmm. eagle and your bird can sing and i play guitar on that all the time like that was mm-hmm. when i was growing up um and then uh yeah so it was kind of like a musical underpinnings to the brand and also like to go with the risotto rapper and uh yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty it, much it. So. It looks like something '60s vintage too, is what I'll say. Um, it just has something like, "Hey, this looks like a vintage cigar." Yeah. Um, we were going for that time period. With yeah, the, you definitely were. Yeah, you definitely were in that. Um, and d- just a side question: Did you see the Beatles uh, get back yet? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was incredible. I don't know if you yeah. saw it yet, Aaron, but I, I thought it was incredible. I've seen the first of the three episodes. It, it took me a while to get through those episodes. Yeah, because okay. it's not something like I was able to watch. You know, like some people watch marathons of it. I went. It took me a week to get through each of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I yeah, I watched all three of them. Uh, it's uh, yeah, I think that was like ten hours of footage. So yeah. It, Definitely took me like a week and a half. Yeah. It's like sit there 10 hours one day. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was great. I thought it was too. Yeah. I, <sighs> I, I thought it was as well. Um, so no, that's, that's a, that's a good, uh, you know, that's a, like I said, this is a, uh, I'll, we'll talk about the cigar towards the break. Um, mm-hmm. I'm smoking it right now. Uh, Aaron, you're smoking the uh, Eagle right now, right? Yep. No, okay. I'm smoking the Lady 48 right now. Oh, you're smoking the Lady 40. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm I'm smoking the revolver right now. So and the, that was a question I had. Was, so the revolver is a traditional Parejo shape because I hadn't seen that one yet. So yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I really love the eagle shape. I've always loved it. So I've always wanted to use this. And I, I know all the molds that Omar has. So that's been one that I've really wanted to, um, that's kind of been on the back burner for a while. <clears throat> My dad's just obsessed with Behike 54 sizes. Mm. And I tell him it's just because of the name. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's that. I, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't want to, but uh, so he made it the 54 shape. It's the exact same size as the Behike 54. Uh, and it's got like the little Perea cap on it and everything. Um, and then we both just love a, a nice 48 or 46. So we did a, we did a 48. Yeah. We steered away from doing a 46 because we have a lot of 46s and not many 48s um, and thought that would be like a good end cap for uh, that was the last size we made in, in Eleanor Rose. I really like the size. That 48 is just kind of like that. Yeah. That's nice the one I got spot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and you wrote, you guys said you guys have always done well with those. I mean, you had the Dahlia size and the Wayfarer as well. I, I like yeah. that. So that's a, that's the classic Cuban size as well. So I mean, yeah, you've definitely done. Um, yeah, I remember that. that. That's right. Yeah, that was definitely one where we got from shops, and there we we saw our handful of shops, and we're like, all right, those are the ones where it's going to be for. But not everyone will will do a Dahlia. <laughs> um, so yeah, we did that as like a one-time release with Wayfair, and that was a traditional Dahlia, um, Dahlia size. Yeah, I got uh, yeah, that's a forty-three ring gauge, six and plus six plus. I was, I, yeah, six and, yeah, I think it's six and three quarters. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, no, um, and, I, and that's one of my. Like, I'm not a Lancero guy, but you get me into the Lonsdale and the Dahlia, I, I, I'm I'm all on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, you're one of the reviewers that will like, you know, uh, do a sixty justice. Like, we'll sm s you smoke sixties a lot, right? Yeah, I mean the Medio, the Robusto, the Robusto Grande was a sixty, but I mean, I you, you I like that. For example, um, I'm now the other points. There are some sixties that just don't work. I'll be honest, with you, but there are sixties that work, and I just you have to find them and I have to be open to them to smoke them. Is what I say. I agree with you. I think I've smoked some sixties before in like 58s and that's usually outside my wheelhouse and it's, they, they won me over. Yeah. Um, I was just like, okay, I get it. Like this, uh, you know, some smoke, well, some just, uh, I feel like, uh, I don't know, they don't combust properly, but some, when you get them done right and done well, um, they smoke really well. Yeah. A lot of reviewers, I feel like try to like shun sixties immediately. So like, uh, you know, always like, uh, I, I respect you for it, for like going into it open-minded and, yeah. uh, there's nothing worse than you read a view review and it starts out with, I hate 60, I hate larger engaged cigars, but, exactly. <laughs> yeah. but this is what we're reviewing today. Yeah. 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 It, it's just like, and then you kill the cigar. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, you've, you've yeah. immediately boxed yourself. In. I mean, if I said that about Lanceros, uh, I got to be careful with that, too, because then I box myself in. Yeah, I remember yeah. Carson, when I started out, I said I didn't like Mexican rapper. And guess what? That really came back to bite me. Lucky it was early on when no one was paying attention to me, though. But mm -hmm. I did say that. I'm not going to lie. And it boxed me into some things like that, which was like, yeah, it wasn't really a good thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, I try to go into stuff open-minded when even when like like new tobacco or a new size or anything like that comes across uh because yeah you don't want to box yourself in and then you like miss out on a on a good blend or a good yep. you know something 
like that Robusto Gordo Medio, I don't smoke a lot of 60s, but I agree with you. I think it smokes great. Yeah. Like, I, that's, a, that's a good size for that blend. Yeah. You get flavor and, uh, and, and yeah, there's other companies' brands that uh, I, I've smoked their 60s. I'm like, wow, it really works in this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I was just talking. I don't know if Aaron smoked it, but he may not like it. HVC did a cigar called the Hot Cake. Yeah. I like the, the The 60 is by far the best size. Okay. I mean, it's by far head and shoulders above the in my book, and I and I thought from a guy like Rainier, you know, again, he's more of a classic size guy. I would not have expected that. That's what surprised me about it. Yeah, yeah, I've never, I didn't even know that the hot cake came in at sixty. But it just, it, it just came out of the show. Yeah, it's Grand oh, okay. Canyon, it's called. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious on your thoughts on it. Okay. Aaron, have you had it? I have not smoked that that version of it. No. So here's a really funny story. Um, at the trade show, I'll just say this: we were visiting Rainier at HVC, and, and he's showing us the Grand Canyons, and he and he gave us sixties, right? And so the I have I have some other guys now I'm working with who are covering the show with me, and um, they basically took one each and gave me the rest of their sixties. <laughs> and then they regret i think they regretted it after that because i'm like like i told you it was good <laughs> i was like yeah. no i don't want to smoke because they didn't want to smoke the 60s you know like ah, we, you know we don't smoke 60s you know yeah you take them you know you like the 60s and and then when they went and smoked it i'm like yeah too late guys you gave them away <laughs> so, uh but you another so you had another project that kind of came out towards the end of last year the expat yeah, uh, similar concept uh, that what you're doing uh, with with it. It was a butcher wrap paper, but it's funny because they uh, it's not a studio Serena. Like and I was going to ask that. Yeah, it wasn't branded. It came out that. at the same time, so it looks like it is, but huh? it, it's not. Um, the expat was a fun project, though. Um, you know, in a year where I feel like all the cigar prices were getting jacked up, it was a one we released. We we did another run with this through. Um, a couple different uh, subscription companies, but the origin of the expat was, it was a destination wedding for a good family friends. And uh, you know, we were working with a wedding planner and they're like, this is where they reached out to us. And they're like, that's what we have to spend the family. And we're like, okay, well, we don't have a lot to work with here. Yeah. Um, you know, cigars, everyone wants, but it's like the last one on the list uh, mm-hmm. of expenses. Um, so like, how are we going to make a really good cigar and keep it like, what would retail like five, six bucks to them. We gave it to them at wholesale cost. So like it was even cheaper. Um, but yeah, so, um, but from the wedding, you know, and it's a lot of like just early cigar smokers or occasional cigar smokers, right. we got tremendous feedback on it. So um, I never wanted to put anything in the Serena brand that was like sub $6. Um, right. So that I was like, that's what we have APS for. So there's kind of like an expat, like this will be the only one right. from the APS <laughs> in the Serena line. So it's like the expat of the, Ser- the Sereno brand too. But also because it was a uh, overseas wedding that we did it for, who's also a uh, lives over there now and he's an expat. So like um, that's why we called it expat. And it went over really well. And we thought it would, uh, you know, maybe this is something we should have in the Sereno portfolio instead of all like eight to $12 cigars have something in the six sub $6 range. Um, and I'm pretty sure I would have to go look at our price sheet, 
I think every one of the sizes is like, I think the most expensive size is $5.99 retail. Um, but yeah, it's all long leaf, all four year age, three and a half year age tobacco around that three and a half, four years. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, butcher wrapped as well to save on packaging costs. Um, but yeah, expat was another one we released right after Eleanor Rose. And that just, it kind of worked out that way. There's one, they're all in the traditional names. And then there's one size called the passport. Cause that was the actual size we used at the wedding. Mm, nice. um, so we, we gave that one kind of a special name. So, yeah, but we have a Corona Gorda sublime and the passport was like a, a five and seven eighths by 50. And then it's got like a painted shaggy foot on it. Um, cause that's what they requested. So we just kept it exactly how we made it. And, uh, we did that out of, out of La Corona as well. That's a, it's like an Ecuadorian Oscuro, Habano Oscuro. Um, it's got Pennsylvania broadleaf in it. And, uh, yeah, it's a uh, Criollo 98, Crojo 99. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Have you, I mean, in, you know, I understand some of these soft launches you're doing, it seems like the cigar club approach has worked well for you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've heard a lot of things about cigar clubs, but talk a little about that piece that you've done with that. Um, yeah. So that was something during the pandemic. Um, we didn't really we weren't really in a lot of subscriptions and most of our Sereno brands were in brick and mortars. So we were kind of, uh, you know, we were in a tough spot right when the pandemic started. Um so I reached out to a lot of different subscription companies uh, just to keep gaining exposure. Well, you know, we had good momentum before every, all the shutdown and everything. And uh, we, I hit it off really well with Cigar Club and uh, David there, uh, just because he really cares about branding. He's really great with content and, and curating stuff. And then I also do stuff with Sam at Stogie Bird. And there's a couple other ones as well. And uh yeah, we just started getting a lot of good traction with them and a lot of more brand exposure, a lot more people tagging us on social media. Um, so even after once things kind of resumed to normal and we were getting back a lot of that brick and mortar business, um, I, we felt like that was a really good side arm or a good, uh, you know, end result of the pandemic is that we actually developed that business out and also found out a lot of those companies keep analytics, which, you know, something we didn't do on our end. Um, I'm trying to get better with that to like get more, uh, more intel from our brick and mortars, exactly what, how they like things and, and uh, what moves well for them. And, 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 you know, all, all the data on it, but um, yeah. Uh, so we started, once we got a good, you know, following within those subscription companies, a lot of them wanted to start doing like little private projects. And we started say like, Hey, this is a good way that we could kind of, uh, you know, front end a lot of our costs and also see what works and what doesn't work. Um, and we've had like one, you know, not everything has worked. We've had like one or two that were like, all right, well, this one did not work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Eleanor Rose and, uh, that started off in a customs pack originally and then turned into a brand. And, um, and now it's a, it's a full Serena product. So. 
Yeah, and what I like about the like, Cigar Club and now what Abe's doing with his connoisseur club and Smoke In, they have the they have a chance for you to give the feedback. And I know Cigar Club yeah. is really good about they, you get it, and then you have a chance to give the feedback. They give a QR code, I believe, to do it. Yeah. Um, I think that's really cool to do it on, especially you know, on a small batch like that. It makes a lot of sense to do that. So, uh, and then you 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 get you get that information, which is really good. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think you also get a lot of a ton of new exposure that people who are more adventurous, but also um, you know maybe don't frequent brick and mortars as much uh, as they were during the pandemic and stuff. Uh, you know, you, you get a lot of good exposure that way. Um, and I also think it's a good way to get that exposure and not ruffle the feathers with retailers. It actually helps them out, right? You know, because a lot of people go the route of just discounting super heavily to like, you know, the big, the Titans of, of the online retailers. And then it can come back and kind of shake up your brick and mortar business. And I think it's a good way to, uh, to kind of give people a teaser of your brand, but then they can still go find it with brick and mortars. If that yeah. Makes- yeah, and then the clubs, like, you know, they're always kind of looking for variety, so they can't give yeah. you the same cigars every month. Yeah. So at some point, yeah, it makes, now you, you know, you move on. It to doesn't work else. for their business model to just keep hitting them with Eleanor Rose, like, every day or, like, yeah. product yeah. every day. So, yeah, you get that advertising, you get that exposure. I, I really do think it, they play a good little piece in this industry that has, you know, risen in popularity since, uh, since the, the pandemic. Yeah, I, I like I, that good retailers like Abe and stuff are starting to do it, too. I think yeah, that like helps. Yeah, he's been doing with the Connoisseur Club. Um, and uh, I know he's been very pleased with what he's been. And some of the manufacturers I've talked to have been very happy with that as well, because it's kind of been a, a sandbox for them to kind yeah, of validate sure. some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they can be a little bit more experimental with what they want to bring into and be like, is this going to work? And or is this going to like die on our shelves because no one's going to like it. They kind of get the same thing we do. We get a little bit of info before we bring it to market. They get a little bit of info before they, they, uh, you know, throw it on the shelves. Right. And you said like, and I'm not going to ask you to say the cigar, but you said there was one that did, you didn't get the feedback that you thought you were going to get on it. Right. So yeah. it, that helped. I guess that helped you out too. If you're going to, you know, yeah. what you're it was another custom blend. And uh, yeah, it, we thought it was going to be killer and it just, you know, it wasn't bad. People are like, it's a good cigar, but we're not blown away with it. And right, that was right. we like, um, yeah, I actually have like whole branding on and all that. So now we're trying to figure out a cigar for the branding. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So yeah, that's good. Um, we, Tiano, um, this, you, you came out with a version of Tiano, the heritage. Mm-hmm. And that was that was pretty much, I guess, that's safe to say that was your cigar that the pandemic threw a complete monkey wrench into, right? Because yeah. I remember that took a while to come out. Yeah, it took a yeah. long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hochi, we did. That was the one. It was the first time we did anything with Hochi and yeah. yep. Back Letter Palma. Um, and they were great on the whole project. They still continue to be great. Those boxes are beautiful. They are. And, uh, and yeah, the cigar, we're happy with it, but when the first cigar, you know, and that might've been more on our end <clears throat> when we went down there and blend it, once we got like the initial run of it, we weren't happy with it. 
Um, so, you know, Hochu's totally cool and graceful about it. Um, and it was just like, all right, well, let's just go back to the drawing board and get you something that you do like, like didn't ask us to take him. He's like, you know, I'll move him. No problem. Like I, you know, or we'll smoke him. <laughs> um, so, and, uh, and we started reblending that and then the pandemic hit. Um, so yeah, it was just something that took like a year and a half to release. And yeah, I mean, it was at the trade show in 19, but it was still very conceptual. I remember when you were yeah. talking about it with us. Mm -hmm. And all the like, yeah, it's just everything got stacked against us yeah. pretty quickly and it cascaded. Yeah. And then, uh, and then before we knew it was like 15, 16 months and we were just <laughs> getting around to releasing it. Um, but yeah, there were, we wanted it, we called it Heritage and we did Taino because, uh, you know, Taino were the indigenous people mainly of Dominican Republic and we did that out of Nicaragua at first so we just thought it'd be a cool blend to do it uh through there and uh you know through a Dominican blended scar and uh yeah we did it uh through Tobacco Lara Palma and and uh multiple blending sessions happened for it and then the pandemic happened in the middle of it and uh and took us 18 months to release but once it got out there, we we're really happy with it. So, you know, and uh, yeah, Hochi was great. Cream, all those guys, Carlos, everyone at, at Tobacco or Palma, like just worked with us all the way through it. You know, they were shut down for a while too. So like once we got, we actually like figured out the blend right before everything happened and then nothing could happen afterward. So, um, so yeah, we were kind of just, you know, sitting on our hands with that one and it took a while for it to get out there. So was there any rationale? Like, was it just, Hey, I want to make a Dominican made cigar. Um, was that kind of what you guys were thinking before? Obviously a monkey wrench came into that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, we were always planning on making uh, a Dominican Taino and we'll probably still have like a couple of Dominican lines in the future as That'd well. Be cool, yeah. Um, I love Dominican cigars. I, I love Nicaraguan cigars, you know, one a one b so um i i think you know they both just bring different identities to cigar making and one's not better than the other they're just different um so yeah it was our first one and i thought taino would be the good brand to like introduce our dominican side and uh there's other couple other dominican manufacturers that we might want to work with um in the future so uh I think Studio Serena might get one. So. That'll be good. Yeah, I remember when you came up with the original Taino. Um, I went to like I went to the Dominican like the year after, and I, I visited like the Davidoff Art Institute, and I saw this whole exhibit on the Taino Indians. Right, I'd heard of them. Mm -hmm. I just didn't realize how like part of the fabric and culture it was down there. Yeah, I thought it was real, like, and I'm like, you know, and I kept thinking of your brand because you know, obviously that was the name and. I had heard the name associated with Atabay as well, but, but it was like, yeah, I didn't realize it's it, like you said, it was the perfect brand to start that off with in the Dominican. I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize like Atabay Cohiba is a Taino word and that yeah. comes from, you know, uh, that group of people. And uh, I went to Centro Leon and went through their whole exhibit there. And uh, while we were going through that whole product uh, project right. and, uh, yeah, I, I I thought that was a, like a good kick kickoff for Dominican lines. Yeah, you know, I think uh, yeah, I think it's cool. And then you have the Nicaraguan one out of La Corona as well. 
Yeah. 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 That was the original one, the white label one. Um, and they were supposed to be, you know, uh, like one A, one B, like it was supposed to be a spinoff. It wasn't supposed to be much fuller or much lighter in body. It was just supposed to be kind of like a Dominican side of, mm-hmm. yeah. of the Nicaraguan label. Um, right. So. Um, yeah, I, I could see that as well. I could see that as well. What what would you say right now is like, you know, everyone has that like superstar performer in the Sereno portfolio. The one that it sells more. It's the one that's got traction. Which is the one right now you would say is your superstar one in there? Um, Eleanor Rose is doing really good for us right now. Um, but consistently, I would say the XX. Still, yeah, okay. That's, yeah. The, the XX, like, yeah. That is the one that gets the most reorders. It's the one that, like, people will call us about and and open the, you know, open accounts with. Um which my dad still, I still love that cigar too. My dad really loves that cigar. It's a good, I, I love those original lines. I've always yeah. loved all those original lines. Yeah. Yeah. That one I would say. And then, and then Taino 44, we released a 44 through Cigar Club. Um, I don't know if I've sent you guys either of those, but I love that cigar. I smoke that thing like regularly all the time it's i think it's the perfect size it's not too strong it's not too um it's still got a lot of character and nuance to it um it it just really works in that size so cigar club came to us and we're like we really love taino blend we don't really do a lot of small gauges find like anywhere from 42 to 48 and we smoked literally 42 44 45 46 48 um we already have a 46 so but we smoked it all the way through and figured out the best size we'd want to do with it. And uh, the 44 worked best. It was 44 by five and a half. And, uh, and we released that through Cigar Club. And they sold a lot of those cigars, you know, within the first couple of days. And then we made it a full production. Um, so, yeah, little add-ons do really well for us. And I think it does for everyone. Right. Like, whenever they have a good brand and... and uh, and, and then, you know, they do a size extension that kind of reignites sales for that line as well. Um, so, yeah, I would say, I would say, yeah, Eleanor Rose XX, the white label Taino and Wayfair are the ones that do the best. Okay. Is it yeah. um, looking, you know, just looking ahead, I'm not looking to get project specific, but more direction. Is the studio this? Excuse me. The uh, is the you know is that going to be the more the approach you're taking with brand development going forward, or maybe you're going to still go the traditional route or a hybrid? Probably a hybrid. Um, yeah, we're going to keep doing more studio Sereno stuff. We just feel like we have a good like base now with the traditional lines um, and like traditional sizes. So you know, every retailer can kind of get their fix there. And it's not going to be crazy with Studio Serena, maybe like one a year or something um, or whenever somebody, and it's also supposed to be like a collaborative place. If somebody comes to me and is like, we want to do something with you on this, like want you to make a brand with us. We'd like to do that as well. Um, So, you know, there's an open door for that kind of collaboration as well, which, you know, we don't really do with the, uh, the, uh, our traditional core stuff. Um, but with the core stuff, there might be like, I don't know. We were, I really don't want to do it. Somebody asked me to do like a Wayfair Maduro. 
Um, mm. A handful <laughs> of people actually have. Um, you know, so we, we've thrown that around as well. Um, and like inverting the colors or something. I don't know. Right. But, um, like black with gold or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like just having blends have their identity. Yeah. And I, I hate, I hate kind of diluting brands out. Um, that's why we, there was actually four lines in the Royale, but we, we took one away because we felt like it diluted out the, the XX, which it was actually, it was selling for us and we still get calls for it, but we just wanted it to kind of trim that down and make that just our core Sereno name. And then everything else, it was a single blend, single identity. So. Very good. Yeah. yeah. That was the, the original Maduro you're referring to, right? Yeah. Yeah. The red box. The red box. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aaron, anything else we want to add for Carson on this part of the show? No, I think you got it. All right. All right, Carson, a couple of fun segments we'll do first. Uh, and these are shorter. So um, first up, this is what we call cattle baron steak question of the night. Um, and this is related to steak. And Carson, I want to know your favorite steakhouse. Oh, my favorite steakhouse. Yep. Um, huh. I like Ruth's Chris. Okay. Good. Um, Solid, uh, safe pick. Yep. Yeah, it's a safe pick. Um, I mean, there's uh, there's some, I went to it. There's like some like individual, like, you know, uh, family owned ones. But like, I I like there's when I went to school in, in Tallahassee, there's a place called Cypress I really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that's kind of, you know, obscure and, and no one would know about. So like a good safe one, Ruth's Chris, I, I would stick with that. Like just good, you know, good, solid steak, reliable. I can get to it in most big cities. So. Good, good, good question. Good yeah. question. It's always good to get different answers. Now, I, I, I like Ruth's Chris. My wife doesn't like it because she went there and ordered chicken once. So yeah, Which I, that's I, not I, the I told her, I said, you don't want a chicken there. <laughs> She said, it wasn't bad to chase you. I said, yeah, but they, they, it's called steakhouse for a reason. It's not chicken house. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, I forgot the name of it. My sister took me to this steakhouse in Dallas. It's incredible. I got like a dry aged steak and like yeah. you know, did it all up, got spendy with it. And yeah. it, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I'm one of those weirdos who like, like flays and like I'm getting Pittsburgh and rare on the inside. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. and we've talked about that. You cut, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It, it is. It, it's hard to get it right. The Pittsburgh is what yeah. I found. Yeah, because it, it's very hard for them to get that that contrast of the char and the, and the, and the red. And I like that contrast. Like I like the char taste, and then like that kind of rare meat taste. Mm. Yeah, it, 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 I'm not a rare guy, but I do like the Pittsburgh rare. But it's I, I, more times it's, it's messed up, and I have to just know for sure ahead of time if they know how to do it. Yeah. 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 So. Very good. That, that was our cattle barn steak question of the night. Uh, we're going to get into the next thing of uh, what we are smoking, and that's sponsored by Tailored Smoke, located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's Epicenter, and now outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, Concord North Carolina. Tailored Smoke is your one-stop shop for a tailored smoking experience. So, Aaron, you are smoking uh, the lady uh, of the Eleanor Road. Yes. Yes. 
Um, I'm going to use a word just because I'm not sure of another word to use to describe it, but I'm going to say that it's got a very classic flavor profile. Um, it's got like an aged cedar note that's kind of got an integrated like peppery spice to it. Uh, the cedar is, is slightly dry, but there's like a creaminess to the cigar that like balances that out. So it's not like you just kind of get like a dry palate. Um, you like up front, you kind of can get that dryness, but then the creaminess kind of comes in a little bit after and like kind of aids it and just keeps it from being too dry. Um, and then there's like a, like verges on like a floral vegetally note kind of in the background. It's not like a core flavor or anything like that, but you kind of get a little bit of that that's going on. Um, and there's, there's not like, there's not a lot of strength to the cigar. It's got a lot of body, but there's not a lot of strength to it. So it's like smooth retrohale is smooth. It's not there's like, you just get the only spice to it is kind of like integrated into that cedar note. It's not like a separate, like black pepper zing that you're going to get anything like that. So it's, it's just a really smooth profile. So, um, yeah, this is a good cigar. Um, and the price point is great. So whenever you can get those together, then you got something that people are going to buy m- buy a lot of, I think. I would say it's a straight medium. I would say like, it's close to medium, maybe slightly below medium, but yeah. yeah, right around, right around that, right around that. It's not, yeah, but it's got a lot of body to it. Like the yeah. smoke's chewy to it. It's, but um, yeah, the strength is kind of in that yeah, mid range. That's, that's kind of where I put it. it definitely has more body. Uh, I'm yeah. smoking revolver and uh, I would put it. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, I'm putting it in the medium as well. The, um, I, it was funny, Aaron, because I, you know, I used the word throwback when I first smoked it. And, you know, I was thinking about it again as I'm smoking it now. And then you kind of said, I had, I had this throwback, but the difference is there's more body to this than, than a throwback mm-hmm. cigar. Um, but it's got that kind of profile in there. And, you know, the one thing was the retrohale is going to give you that integrated cedar and pepper. Yep. That, um, I, so you get it more on the retrohale. It's not aggressive on the retrohale by any means. And then there's this like underlying risotto sweetness that i get um use the word kind of floral it has some floral qualities but you know i'm not a big floral guy but this is very very good um and like i said it's just a there's just a bite from the spices of the cedar and the pepper which is like it's just like perfect if it hits perfect for me where i could still pick this cigar up any time of the day and smoke it in my opinion so you know uh there is an underlying creaminess as as well construction is excellent on on this is like i said the second one i'm having and and the construction has just been excellent on this thing. So again, great, great value point, uh, you know, great for this cigar. Um, so I think this is, like I said, if it's selling well, there's a good reason, uh, Carson. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it makes me happy that you say classic. It's like the first word. Cause that was like, that was what we were going for. So yeah. Like, it's like, um, a it's, good classic profile to it. Yeah. It's not, it's like, it's not common in a, in a lot of new releases anymore. Um, it's kind of like, Coop saying it's kind of like a throwback a little bit to like some of you know cigars from the past so it's it's nice to see but yeah. i can see why this did well with a subscription club because it's a little more oomph to it where um you know like maybe those folks wouldn't reach for and i'm not trying to categorize everyone maybe they wouldn't reach for a throwback cigar but you know this one i could see it resonating with that type of smoker um so it's kind of bringing the best of both worlds here yeah it's like the next step up on the staircase because it's still in the medium mild range, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a nice like little graduation step up too. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly how I put it, but you know, I would, uh, like I said, um, 
I would give this to someone who's also a newer smoker uh, and yeah. say, here, smoke this. And, and I think, you know, like I said, if you want to just get it, because sometimes cigars can be overwhelming on the sweet or the spice category. And this, and I, I talk about when I get a cigar, it's not like that. I really like it. It's just enough here to kind of keep me interested. And, and uh, you let the smoke roller on your mouth on this thing, and you're really going to pick it up on different parts of the tongue here. Oh, well, this is well done. This is very well yeah. done. Yeah. For people wondering, I, I do smoke plenty of cigars. I just, I got done with recently caught COVID. So like, I'm just not tasting anything and I'm not, I don't know, trying yeah. to recover a little bit. Yep. Um, yeah, take your time. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't have a cigar of the night, but. No. And uh, you, you know, like I said, we encourage you not to smoke, uh, you know, just, just make sure you're hundred percent better. Yeah. Um, you know, anything respiratory or dental wise, I always tell people don't rush back to smoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really is just, it's wild though. Like, you know, I, I heard about everyone talking about the, you know, losing your sense of smell and taste, but like my sister had an extended, uh, loss of smell and taste for a long time. So I don't want to scare you. I think she was like, she's a nurse and she said she was a rare exception for how long it was gone. It's just a really bizarre feeling. Like, yeah. 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 What most important thing is you're healthy and stay healthy because you know we want to be having worry sessions and, and yeah. we'll enjoy a cigar again next time. So yeah, for yep. sure. Yep. All right. So Carson, I just got to do uh, one more sponsor break and then uh, I have one more short segment with some more fun questions. Okay. All right. So let me mention uh, JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the Crazy most robust. Stuff in- yep, definitely. Uh, big year they had too. Yeah. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars, the Cuba's leaf choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamasran Valley of Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now, with Jerry Tobacco, Julio and San Justo bring their very own brand to market, each containing that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in 100% authentic Corojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade, Cameroon or Abano wrapper, representing the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your Oak retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, we take pride in the fact that we are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you will find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium tobaccos available anywhere in the world. Plus, we have special limited edition cigars exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padron, Avo, Drew Estate, and Davidoff. The best selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take our word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as the best of the web. Corona Cigar Company was voted a top five cigar internet retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado Magazine wrote Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best, and stock cigar shops in America. Place an order online at www.coronacigar.com or visit one of Corona's four central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And I want to mention again, Aganorsa Leaf. Um, Aganorsa Leaf, has, we, we actually, if you're on Cigar Coop or if you uh, uh, go on 
you know, you can go to there. We'll talk about their YouTube channel. Um, Agonorso Leaf, uh, we, we want something called the Agonorso Experience. There's a, uh, a link on the sidebar, and uh, we're highlighting different Agonorso cigars each month. And this month, uh, we're highlighting the Supreme Leaf uh, Robusto that's launching later this month. So it's a Robusto with a twist. They're bringing back the Robusto, but with a bigger ring gate size. And you could click on that, and you could see uh, our good friend Terrence Riley um, uh, with a video. Um, so you could do that as well. Or you go directly to the Agonorso Leaf Experience on their YouTube channel and subscribe to it, and you get all the updates are there as well. And finally, just well, we're going to get into our Alec Bradley Live True segment, sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live true. So, Carson, in this segment, we're going to ask you some, some basic, like, random questions. I think most of these are not cigar-related that I put in tonight. I'm just checking. Um, yeah, these are all non-cigar-related, but we'll just kind of go through these in rapid fire. And um, if you can't answer it, that's fine, too. Okay. All right. So, first question. Your favorite TV show to binge on? Oh. Um... I don't know, probably like 30 for 30s. They're great. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, they, they're short. You learn a lot. Um, I know there's like, I like Seinfeld too, like old school. I don't know. Yeah. Um, a lot of like old 90s sitcoms. Um, but yeah, I, I like my sports documentaries. So I'll, I'll say 30 for 30s. Good. They're, good. they're really good. I've enjoyed a lot of those. Um... So, uh, I mean, the big one in Charlotte, believe it or not, um, was the Ric Flair one. Because yeah. Ric Flair is like, the, like he is like the most popular figure in Charlotte to this day. Yeah. And that was just like, people were going crazy when that one came out. I just okay. remember that because he's so popular down here. So, yep. Good one. All right. Your favorite mixed drink? Um, favorite mixed drink? drink a lot of beers but um and wine but probably just like an old-fashioned i don't know if that's really mixed like that's only a couple ingredients but we'll, we'll go with that okay um the place i just mentioned tailored smoker early on has a, a great old-fashioned in charlotte by the way okay um yeah so they actually, yeah you uh, except for the place to smoke in charlotte it's one of the, there's a few good places to smoke in charlotte but that's like open very late and everything so it's it's a good place to go to okay yep Awesome. Yeah, but oh, they make a great old fashioned. Um, uh, and they actually kind of do, they kind of ignite it in a cigar box and everything. It's pretty cool how they do it. All right. All right. So you mentioned you like I music. Like double zinger there. We got, we got a sponsorship and a yeah. favorite drink there. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, you know, I actually want a double zinger on top of because you, you talk about JRE. Yeah. And that Aladino is kind of something that was a similar type of, not taste profile, but classic qualities a little bolder for the for the um for the regular smoker i love aladino like yeah. that's one of my one of my cigars yeah um, they 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 get a lot of respect like they're well talked about but i don't think they're talked about a lot yeah they're still um, growing they're still a new company yeah they've only been in business five and a half years but i you know? I, I think you know julio justo i mean they all do a really great job so yep. yeah yep and happy birthday to julio i think he just turned i believe 84 this this week uh, yeah. One of the best interviews I ever did was uh, with him. Before actually this show started, I interviewed him, and he's the, one of the funniest guys you'll you'll ever meet too. Oh so really? He, I, I've never met him. He, he's uh, very funny. He's very funny. Yeah, 
And he's very, uh, he loves his Fox News and he loves Megan. He has a picture of Megan Kelly in the factory. It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So he, but he's a cat. He's a really super nice. I got to go down there about five years. It's actually five years since I've been there. Yeah. So it's uh, been a while. All right. So back to these questions. Uh, you mentioned like music. What's a music band besides the Beatles? Because you mentioned them already that you like to listen to. Um, I like all like classic rock stuff. All right. Um, yeah. Man, I like like 80s rock, classic rock. Like, yeah. So um, that's my tip. Yeah. That's in my profile. I don't know off the top of my head. Can we can we just go like a genre? Yeah, that's uh, totally fine. Um, and then there's like a bunch of newer bands too. Like there's so many, so much good music out there. But yeah, if you throw some like good classic rock at me, I'm gonna be pretty happy. There you uh, go. So they there you go. Good stuff. Because that's kind of like 80s and classic rock yeah. exactly what my sweet spot is. Okay. Yep. So I'm like uh anything from Rush uh okay. phil collins yeah um, yeah prince, yeah all the above princes princes yeah. Yeah. you know an alien from another universe that yeah. no one can exactly know, exactly ever can duplicate yep i agree i totally agree all right this next one uh a pet that you would like to have or maybe have besides a dog or cat i always thought like a big cat would be cool like, mm-hmm. like a like a big cat, like yeah, yeah. Did someone tiger or lion once, Aaron? Too. I'm trying. Incredibly to dangerous, but I imagine yeah. you know it'd be fun and novel for. A yeah. while. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you lost an arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Trying to think of like, there's any other like really cool pets. Um, growing up, my neighbor had an ostrich, and that always kind of freaked me out interesting yeah interesting um yeah um yeah we moved away from there when i was (laughs) (laughs) um yeah we'll we'll go with the big cat there you go big cat is good good all right it's a true or false question you've played hooky from school true did you get caught I i played hooky from work (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people have been doing that lately i think i feel like you didn't have a childhood if you didn't play hooky from school yeah. um, the key thing was getting not get like if you got caught you had to kind of like i used to weasel my way out of it with my dad so yeah i made a mistake with attendance yeah yeah that's a whole another skill yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 <laughs> all right all right a favorite sport that you enjoy to watch um college football and hockey all right yeah yeah i played hockey growing up so like yeah in south florida played on like you know the the palm beach panthers and and all that stuff all the time yeah and uh yeah big florida panthers fan good season to have yeah um season yeah considering um, what happened earlier in the year they've they've kind of you know, they're in a tough division. That Eastern's tough right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I am a baseball fan, but it's always, like, so sad for me because I'm a Marlins fan. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Like, you've had, hey, you've had yeah. brighter spots than a lot of other teams, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, I went the low to the low, but the high yeah. high. <laughs> the 2002, I think it was, I went to those, uh, 
those World Series. I went to one World Series games with my dad, and that was probably the coolest sporting event I ever went to. Um, and just you know the the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and uh, I always remember like the first pitch, seeing like Beckett throw, and yeah. uh, all the camera lights were just yep. yeah, um, yeah. It's just like a, a mental image that yep. kind of like never leaves you. It, it, um, that was such a great run that you guys had that year too. Yeah. Um, and then you beat the Yankees, you know, who, who everyone thought were going to win that year. Uh, yeah. No one gave you guys a chance that year. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It all, was all build and sell. I yeah. Hear. Yeah. Um, you could be a Phillies fan, so it could be worse. Uh, yeah. I've had a, I've had a decade of futility. At least you guys gave some hope. You, you won a playoff series last year. So yeah. 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 No, we get there. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just our MO has always been, you know, you know, build it up, farm it up, and then just completely sell it all off. Yep. And, and, yeah. and you know, we'll, we'll never be like one of those empire teams. We're always yeah. just, a, you know, a flash in the pan. Nice. Now, you mentioned college football. Mm-hmm. So Georgia Bulldogs win it. I know you were spent time in Athens. Thoughts yep. on that? Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because, like, I have a lot of – I recently left Athens um, the, and I went to undergrad at FSU um, and the year I left FSU is when the Knowles won it. So like <laughs> when I told <laughs> all my friends I was moving and with the yeah. season there and they're like, this is our year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the good luck charm. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, leave. Can I help you move? <laughs> Carson, I moved, right be- I moved right before the Phillies won the world series to, to yeah. Charlotte. I left because I lived in that area and I moved. Um, and I, unfortunately I had to make the move at that time. It was like, I, because you can't plan a move based on if the Phillies were going to make it or not. So, <laughs> and I didn't think they were going to make it that year. So, yeah. So I, I know that yeah. feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Those are my two teams, the Knowles and luckily ones in the ACC, ones in the SEC. And we yeah. both hate the Gators. So, right. Uh, right. Yeah. The dogs and the Knowles and, uh, and yeah, I was actually going to go back there for, for the championship, but then I caught COVID and, uh, and, uh, oh. and, and, you know, they won. So that was probably, you know, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope it's not <laughs> as long as, you know, I do remember the Herschel Walker team Carson watching those games that year. So yeah, it was like, now I really feel old is what I'm just going to tell you, but I hope it's not that I, I think you guys going to be, I think you got a good program set for a long time there. Yeah. So I think you'll be. I good think so too. Yeah. Yeah. My other team is the complete opposite, but. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But All yeah. right. Yeah, no, it's good. All right. So um, you, we talked about you visited Iceland. Has there been any other cool countries you've visited since going to Iceland? Um. I know you like to travel. That's why I'm asking. I've always like, yeah, I, I really do love just going to the Caribbean and going to like cigar countries um like it's fun to do you know leisure travel like europe and if you ever have you know if you have the opportunity to or like you're it right now i i feel like it's no one's traveling but that much well, but, um, yeah we're I mean, i'm hoping pro cigar happens i'm yeah. gonna, i'm not gonna be upset if they cancel it i know they uh, really go habano's festival was it habano's festival yeah. just they got canceled Cancel. Yeah. See, the difference uh, is Habanos didn't put the tickets on sale. Pro Cigar did. Oh, man. Yeah. So they got a bigger issue with that right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
there's been a big spike. There's been a, I, I was told there was a spike in the DR that's been like consistent with the level of spike in the US. So there's some yeah. concerns right now. So we'll see what happens. Right now it's still on. So there's no cancellation, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out with like, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love going to Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. Like it's, it's yeah. Um, cigar stuff is always it's cool i really like the dominican i love both countries so uh you know it's uh my last trip out of the country uh like i went to the dominican republic and nicaragua both in 2020 so uh wow. right right before and when i got back from nicaragua covid started like yeah. right after that yeah so yeah that's hey, uh i have yeah. been dominican since covid i haven't been back to nicaragua since uh um have i no i have not we were planning on going, you know, in the, in the next month or two. So, um, hopefully that all still shakes out. Okay. So. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I know it's because the issues in Nicaragua, it's just tough getting out is what I heard. So yeah, yeah. It's, that's where the issues Omar are. has come up to Miami multiple times. Oh, good. Um, yeah. So he's actually in Miami right now. So yeah, good. we've got to see him a lot and, uh, yeah, we've been Dominican a couple times since since uh, everything has happened. But yeah, yeah. So I, I would I would say you know Caribbean um, can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah. You can't yeah, go wrong. I, I've been to other countries in Europe, and Europe is fun. But um, the the week of the shutdown, I was actually um, I was I was supposed to go to Japan for the first time. Hmm. My stepmother is from Japan. Um, she's from Okinawa. Uh, her father was in the service over there and I actually have family over there, her step family. And I was supposed to go there for three weeks and meet all of them. And then it, it, it was the same exact week of the shutdown and that wow. all, you know, yeah, never happened. So hopefully one day in the future. Hopefully. Yeah, I agree. All right. Last question, Carson. Uh, if you had a reality TV show, what would the name of it be? A reality TV show about you? Um, uh oh man that's a tough one that's um, the one that yeah. gets everyone <laughs> yeah um uh um <laughs> i don't know my dad's kind of crazy so i could definitely do like one of those in a fun way right one kind of cr- like family feud type deals <laughs> but then also i feel like i don't know we could do like dreams deferred slash renewed um because like I, that sounds sad but it's kind of it's fun um um i always get like with cigar stuff like we always start off like really crazy ideas and they always get kind of like you know brought back uh, to reality yeah brought back to reality <laughs> yeah really and then sometimes we'll find like a middle ground yeah so like yeah um yeah, and that's usually where like the family feud happens. Like, no, <laughs> doing this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it usually it always works out for the best, though. So exactly, we'll do that. Exactly. So Carson, uh, want to thank you very much for being a guest tonight. Um, I really mean this when I say it. With this show was built because of you. Uh, you're one of the foundations of this show. Uh, we've had a lot of success, but we had to get it off the ground. You're a big part of that, and uh, you know. I look forward to catching up with you and, um, you know, we'll, you know, hopefully once this is all over. So thank you so much for coming on tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Likewise, guys. I always enjoy being on here and, and 
love what both you guys do um, in the review media world. So, um, you know, it, it's reciprocated all the appreciation. So thank you, Carson. Thank you, Carson. Be safe. Yeah. Stay well. All right. Yep. Wait to smoke. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You too, guys. All right. Hopefully I get to see you soon. Um, um, I'm not going to be a TP, but I should be at PCA. So okay. uh, we'll see you at the end then. Yep. Okay. I'll, I won't be a TP, but I'll be a PCA. Yep. Okay. All right. See you guys. Take right. care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So Carson Serino there. Aaron, we're going to get into our Soprano segment here. Um, All right. And uh, I, I went, I, I was just kind of, uh, I, I kind of was looking for some top 10 moments in, on the Sopranos. And I found one list on the independent, which mm-hmm. I'll put a link that people have, even though the list, if they put 20, we're going to go to 10 because it will be too long um, on this. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read these in reverse order and we'll just okay. comment yay or nay if it belongs on the list. Right. And then if we're missing anything, we'll kind of hit that at the end. Ready? Yep. All right. We'll start at number 10. Uh, this is the uh, scene where Tony is outside the Bing uh, mm-hmm. with Ralphie and uh, Tracy, the, the stripper, was killed. Yeah. Uh, that was the stripper that Ralphie was fooling around with, and he basically killed her. Yep. Uh, that was the, univer- the episode was University. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Uh, yeah. You know, because it was, um, you know, it was that time where Tony kind of lost it a little bit. And, yep. He showed a little know, compassion, but then he lost it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, you know, he kind of did a, a cardinal sin in the in the family of, uh, you know, hitting a made guy. And yep. uh, it was kind of the beginning of the end of their relationship, I think. Tough episode to watch. Yeah. They pointed it out in even this article. The whole Tracy thing was just, you know, she had a kid and another kid yeah. on the way. It was just like, yeah. yeah, it's a tough one to get through is what I'll say. But but that moment when Ralphie, you know, says I'm a made man and reminds Tony that I, I think it was a big I was surprised it wasn't maybe a little higher, but top 10 for sure for me on that one. I, I like yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, this one was is like top four, in my opinion. <laughs> The, it says the episode, the strong silent type. It's the Christopher Moltisanti intervention. Yes. Love that. Good. I think we talked about that. Yeah. I love yeah. that scene. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think we agree <laughs> with that one. <laughs> the, the reaction when they bring up the dog. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the Jesus Christ, the dog. You killed Cosette. <laughs> and then and then they, they're going on and Tony can't get off of it. So yeah. Tony, goes, you killed Cosette? He's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, and that's just it's the whole thing after what happened with Pi oh my now there's another you know you kill a pet Tony yep. Tony goes nuts on that yeah yep yep yeah that's one of my favorite ones um number eight Janice wax shoots and shoots Richie shoots Richie that, in the kitchen that was yeah. a fantastic scene oh my goodness was that a great scene oh man the white and night white satin armor great yeah oh. He's like uh, him leaning back in that chair and then he's back in that to get my yeah. food on the table. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he leans back, bam. And I was, uh, I agree. It's a big moment um, as well. Uh, I think that was one of the, it was season two. And that was definitely one of my highlights on that. one. Yeah. But I thought it was ahead of this one. Tony killing Christopher in the car in Kennedy and Heidi in the last season. 
Yeah. Um, that was that was interesting. Um, I I thought it made complete sense to do it. You know, uh, he was just becoming a liability, and uh, it was just a way for him to end Christopher's downward spiral and kind of protect himself as well. So, um, yeah, that's another tough scene I think to watch. But, but did you see that one coming when you watched it the first time? Um. I, I I think I had an inkling that it might happen and I was kind of maybe rooting for it to happen. Um, and when it happened, I was like, like, you know, sometimes you think those there's certain things that, that they just won't do. And right. then they did it. It's just like, all right, that's why this series is so great. It, it, well, I mean, I always thought that that day would come on the show though. But you it think it would be a more like a planned hit. A planned hit or or a street fight maybe or something like yeah. they would like with, with Ralphie, but yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, they did something very that whole neck, the whole neck thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that was like I said, it, I knew it was coming. I didn't, I didn't see. They're in the car. They're driving back. I forget from somewhere. So yeah. it was. It just and it just all of a sudden had that scene. That's where the David Chase magic I think comes in. How he could just turn a scene into something. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we have another. We have, this is a suicide attempt. AJ tries to kill himself in the last season called the, the episode The Second Coming. Yeah, this one doesn't really ring a bell for me all that much. It's the one where he tries to go in the pool and he tries to kill himself. Oh, he, yeah. He's he like, help, help. Cinder, and Tony tries a cinder block, too. Yeah, he can't even but, kill yeah, himself. Okay, he, now I remember. Yeah, it, but I agree. It didn't resonate as much as some of those other ones. It was a yeah. little higher than I thought. Yeah. It. I mean, it's almost... I hate being like it was almost laughable because he couldn't even do that right. He was yeah, yeah, fucked fuck up. That up. <laughs> right, it wasn't right. Yeah, so uh, see, yeah, I kind of um, yeah, that, that I got an agreement on that. Number five is the final scene in Made in America. Final scene of the show, the whole uh, Holston's thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I to me, it's not it's not a top moment. No, it wasn't at all. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I agree. Just it was it was anticlimactic. Um, it I don't know. I wasn't really fooled like a lot of people were with yeah. the black thing either. So I kind of just sensed it. Yeah. Um, the the only thing that was a little weird about that episode too is I think it was a longer than a sixty minute episode. Hmm. So you didn't know when the episode was really going to end. Right. So it seemed like there was more coming, and uh, and I'm like, I have a feeling this is it. Yeah. <laughs> they go to black, and that's it. So I agree. I think it was way too high. Um, so I wasn't a big fan of the final episode at all. Uh, it was kind of, I think it was the episode beforehand when, when Phil gets whacked was much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's an interesting, they have this one way up at number four. This is the employee of the month episode. And that's the mm-hmm. episode where Dr. Melfi's raped and she almost comes clean with Tony telling him about the rape. Yeah. That's another one of those things where I, w- I actually wanted that to, progress right that was know? what that it then went nowhere and it you but thought, it kind of shows that you know that line that she has to draw in the you know the patient doctor relationship and it was yeah. you know yeah as much as she would have liked to have kind of done it maybe done it just to get uh the retribution and the closure uh you know she held back so yeah and it was more like i kept saying we talked about this last week i i never felt they integrated melfi into the rest of the show 
Uh, maybe that was the, I understand that may have been the intent, but there was one where you could really get Tony now getting more involved with Melfi's life and it, it goes, she doesn't tell him. Yeah. But I thought it was a little high. I mean, it's, there's on my, on my, I wouldn't put that at four. Right. It was a little anticlimactic. All right. This one's number three. This is when Silvio kills Adriana in long-term mm-hmm. parking. Yeah. Um, it was predictable with me. And I liked it. I knew it was coming. As you knew, it was probably morbid, <laughs> but it was like it was just kind of a necessary thing at that point, you know. Yeah, but even like le- the the scenes leading up to it, when when Silvio goes out to her and you gotta go see Christopher, he's at a real. I, I knew right away what was happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're in the car. I sensed everything that was gonna go on with that. It was a little right. anticlimactic with me. Yeah, yeah. All right, number two, White Caps, one of my favorite episodes, and I think this is a great scene. Yeah. Uh, this is Tony and Carmela breaking up and they have that fight. They have that fight, which is that argument, which is great. She comes clean about Furio. Yeah. I, I think that was the best interaction with Tony and Carmela in the whole series. Yep. I agree. Yeah. I mean, long time coming, right? Um, yeah. She had taken so much shit over, over the years. Yep. Um, you know, she played her role, but uh, yeah, at some point that's got to break. So yeah. Yeah. It was a good episode. Yep. And number one is not much. They had Pine Barrens, the whole Pine Barrens episode, number one. Yeah. So I don't think that's a big surprise either. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the, there's one scene that I would have, and it may have been, I forget if it was in the bottom 11, but it should have been very high up, maybe at three. And it's the scene where uh, the mother has the stroke mm-hmm. and she's getting off on the stretcher and Tony sees the grin. Yeah. To me, that was like, <laughs> that got me so into the show. That yeah. was probably one of the biggest moments of that show for me. Seeing that Livia scene is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites uh, is uh, the episode College. Um, <laughs> There's another good one. When Tony, uh, the, the balance of Tony killing that guy and then toting his daughter around to colleges. Yeah. Amazing, like, you know, juxtaposition between those roles, man. It was just fantastic. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It was, and it was a big, imp- I thought it was a big impact episode. Yeah. So, I mean, and that was an impact scene of that episode. Yeah. Cause you got, yeah, there's an opportunity for Tony to die, which is, you know, unthinkable. And then he kills the, he, you know, he stalks the guy and kills him. And then, you know, he's father of the year at the same yep. time. So <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, another one, you know, the one where uh, Tony Blundetto kills Joey Peeps mm-hmm. at the end of Marco Polo. Uh, I thought that was just great. And then, you know, he, he kind of messes up his foot in that thing. Yeah. I thought that was a, a great scene as well um, because it set the thing. You know, Tony Blundetto was done after that. Yep. Yep. As well. So I think that was another one. Uh, and. Pussy getting whacked is huge, a huge moment. Yeah. One of the yeah. biggest moments in the show. It was. And like I said, it was really cool. I had a chance, you know, actually to talk to uh, Vincent Pastore about that. And it was, you know, it was, he understood the importance of that as well. Yeah. Um, but he knew it was going to happen. Uh, but it was, it was a great, you know, to talk to him about that scene was, was, was incredible for me yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. So um, he was really cool about that um, for sure. I mean, there's some, there's some smaller scenes that I love. I wouldn't say they're impactful. I mean, I could pick out a lot of other scenes throughout the show, but in terms of impact, you know, and, and just kind of really, 
the one the next day you're going to talk about the water cooler at work. You know, I think that's what they I think they did a decent job on this list, by the way, considering I mean, yeah. I didn't agree with all of them. But but, you know, I mean, it's funny shit like, you know, when remember when Finn goes out to the workplace, uh, Finn met his boyfriend <laughs> and, and, and like in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, yeah. Paulie meets him for the first time and he's like, uh you know, he goes like, clean my tires. And then yeah. he finds out it's, uh, you know, it's Meadow's boyfriend. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. I was just kidding. Yeah. Take me out. Uh, give you some money. Take her out on a nice date. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Little Paul, you do this. <laughs> Yo, tell us from Uncle Paulie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that that's a good one as well. Uh, so uh, there's the one, you know, I think the other one, they had this one on like lower on the list. It's the one where Uncle Junior falls in the shower and he's like, God, yeah, know, God, he keeps saying that. I shouldn't have yeah, it. yeah, yeah, that, yeah. They had that one. I think at nineteen, but yeah, that was another one. Just yeah. it was a little, you know, those those moments they had on there. Uh, Tony Wacken, uh, Ralphie, huge, huge scene as well. Oh my goodness, the fight with that one. I would put again. I put that one ahead of AJ. Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, you know, and, and you know, it, there's two things that got Tony in that scene. It's like the animal, the, the animal, and calling him fat with a two, you know, the two. Yep. Yeah, the two things you just you were done after that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, and then you know, you're back to Ralphie. Uh, no, it was Richie. It was when they killed Richie. They, they Christopher and Furio have to uh like carve up the body at Satriales. Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, good stuff. Good stuff on the uh, yeah. top ten there on uh, on that one. So uh, we may do similar things in the future, but yeah, we'll get that going on our Soprano segment. All right. We got a deliberation segment on the PCA tonight. So everyone's going to hear that. Uh, uh, But let me just kind of do a a round of um, commercial or sponsors here and uh, mention JC Newman. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman. JC Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 126 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elder Hole, J.C. Newman has premium cigars by hand in a hand-operated antique cigar machine. The J.C. Newman Pencil Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's a brickhouse, Pelo del Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by tobacco are A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. Try the Casa Cuevas Connecticut, the Casa Cuevas Habano, Casa Cuevas Maduro, La Mandaria, the Patrimonial line, as well as the Cuevas Reservas. If you don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars from our Casa de Yuri. And by Aventura Cigars. Aventura the Explorer is the first creation by Marcel Noble and Henderson Ventura. Immediately after lighting up the Explorer, the Mexican wrapper will delight the aficionado with its dark chocolate flavor. After a while pleasure, the Dominican filler will flatter the aficionado's palate with wonderful spicy and leathery aromas and unite it with the wooden sweetness of Ecuador. Try Aventura the Explorer and explore the wonderful experience. And I just want to mention the Great Smoke event. That's right. This year's mega event is breaking barriers once again, returning with a live in-person event 
and broadcasting live virtually into the comfort of your own home. Michael Herkotz will be reprising his role as co-host for the main event, broadcasting special segments from the TDS on-site studio and in the field for all virtual attendees at home. If you're in person, there's adding more fun to this party. The Great Smoke 2022 will feature a whopping four days of pre-event parties, after parties, and of course, the main event itself. For those making the trek to the Sunshine Shape, get out your favorite Hawaiian shirt, because it's a Hawaiian theme this year, and be prepared to get laid. Finally, our industry deliberation segment uh, is sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. With Dunbarton Tractor and Trust, there is no deliberation when it comes to Dunbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included six consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year with the Mi Carita Tricky Traca. Visit DTCCigars.com to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. So we will find out if that streak in another week will hold true. I think he has a shot. I think he's got yeah. a shot. He does have a shot. <laughs> he does have a shot at number. Steve, you have a shot, despite what you're saying. <laughs> I think you have a shot. So, uh, and, and I believe this year, Aaron, he really didn't believe he had a shot. You know, I think it's, you yeah. know, some other years he, he knew it, but I think this year is a little, is a, was a different year. The releases yeah. came out late, but I, I think there's a shot at this point. I really do. Yeah. I think it'll be three. I don't think it'll be two if he gets right. it. So uh, we'll be, I'm sure we'll be chatting more about that in upcoming shows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, what were they going to mention before? Uh, uh, all right. No, the, uh, I want to talk about the Robert Holt stuff in another, another segment, actually. So because okay. I think it's, I wanted to focus on this one time. But I do want to talk about the Robert Holt stuff that was announced uh, last night yep. at some point. But let's get to the PCA. Um, um, and there were some announcements this week which I want to kind of just go through. Now, here's what I'm going to say, Aaron. I, I signed up today for the, um, the town hall. Right. So in fairness, I want to be a little fair to PCA. I'm hoping to get an opportunity to ask the questions I'm going to pose tonight mm-hmm. and some of the thoughts that I have in my mind on this. So, um, but I have some, I have some thoughts okay, right, on right. a lot of the things that were announced, right? So let's get into it. And uh, you saw the announcements, right? Yes. All right. Um, the first one I want to hit, right? And this is the one that hasn't been talked about um, as much, is the update of the mission statement. Um, and they came out with a new mission statement, right? And it was like one sentence. Mm-hmm. PCA exists to grow the business of special tobacco retailing what were your thoughts on that because i think there's a lot i'm reading into that right now um i think it's just more to kind of define that role that this is a retailer's organization um which is interesting based on the uh the other now part of the announcement um, yes that's, but, that's exactly uh um, i think it was delivered. yeah i think it's just doubling down that this is a retailer organization and that's what the organization exists for us to to help them out i talked to a couple of people on this one um and one thing that came up and i don't know if this came up on some of our internal chats i forget if it did um it was the whole idea of that this may be a further uh stand against the online stores 
Oh uh, yeah, we did. We did. Have, yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it was very interesting because part of this came into uh, the definition of specialty tobacco retailing. Right. And the, and the, the definition was the retail sale of premium cigars, specialty tobacco products, and related tobacco accessories to end users of the products through conventional retail stores and retail outlets. So the key word in that was conventional. Right. But they, they didn't say that in the mission statement. You kind of had to dig into the FAQs to say, what do they mean by specialty tobacco retailing? Yeah. So I thought that, you know, and I agree, I think there was some, you wanted, I don't want to say it was a dig, but it was like, uh, and, and this is where it's going to get very interesting how certain retailers take some of the larger retailers that have online, how they take that. Right. But I think it, there was definitely something they were trying to say with that for sure. Yeah. I think um, once some, qu once questions are asked and what those answers look like right. will help define what that actually is. Yeah. Because I, I think a big part of this, right. And we're going to get into it with some of this other stuff is, you know, should they be get trying to bring in the online retailers who have power? And the these are the big catalog retailers we're talking about. And that's always been kind of a and they've always kind of felt they're on the outside with that. Yeah, I mean, if they're if that's you know the inclusion of the of the definition, then that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it should be it should be in there. Yeah, I I I I agree with that. You know, and uh, I know I thought maybe there was a uh, there was a um, an opportunity here. But they clearly did not um, take that opportunity to, to at all. They, I think they held firm on their position that, that this is conventional retail, conventional meaning brick and mortar. Yeah, and Jay Davis is in the chat and he's saying that's not based on their meetings and discussion and their meetings. It's supposed to, it's supposed to be brick and mortar and online retail. It's okay. And like I said, yeah. And I want to be fair. These are questions that we are, um, you know, we're just kind of posing here. Yeah. Yeah, but that's good to hear. Yeah, and that probably was one I should have asked Jay ahead of time. Uh, I did, I did Jay, and I, I have some messaging on this too. So, yeah, uh, but that was one I probably should have asked Jay. But that's good. That's, that's good. That's very. I, I think that's very good. But hopefully, that comes out in the town hall a little more. Right. All right. Um. So this is the next one I talked about with him. Um. And uh, if Jay wants to comment, he can feel free, but uh, doesn't have to. Um. The expansion of the board from 15 to 19. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the whole reason for that is to be able to add the seats for the non-retail members um, without losing any retail member seats, right? Right. <laughs> so I think that's the gist of, of the reasoning for the expansion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you, you can't lose that big group. You don't want to cut, you know, I don't think anybody's going to voluntarily release their spot to bring in somebody in a different, from a different side. But yep. um, that that's my thoughts on it. Yep. Uh, agree with that one. Uh, my concern is a 19 person board is big. Yep. Um, and I, you're going to have a lot of people at the table who I think are going to offer more opinions, which is good. But with more opinions comes more time. Yeah. Uh, and that that's the one concern I have with that. Right. Um, I like the fact that they want to include more board seats, certainly. But it's a 15 was even big to begin with for me. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, but you're right, because that went now five of those 
board seats are going to be what they call associate member seats. Mm -hmm. um, so it went from 14 retailer seats and one, right, to 14 and five, right? So the four is to accommodate four additional associate members, right? So here's my next question to you, Aaron, um, is on this, right? Um, what do you think about adding four or more? Um, Associates. Like, what do you think about, like, now there's going to be, so Christian Aroa yeah. is going to have one of the, and Alan Rubin, two guys who have been very involved. Right. They're, they're worthy of, be, of having those, those board seats. And then two up for grabs. And Mike Condor will be in the fifth. Yeah. Um, I think having some more of those is, is can be helpful. Um, if the, you know, if the people that are, are going to be nominated and voted in, uh, are interested in, you know, playing that role. So I think it, it'll be helpful to give more, you know, more perspective from the, a different angle. Yeah. Yeah. The, but here's the question I have. So you have two open seats on a board where you are a minority, a major minority. Or are you going to be able to get two people who are actually going to think they could, how are those two extra people combined with the other three? Yeah. How do they fight a, and I'm not saying fight, but you're up against a, another coalition. These are coalitions you're, you're trying to integrate. How effective could that be to do that? Uh, I guess it, it depends on how open the existing members are to those seats being added. Yeah. Um, if there was a, you know, well, I, I assume know the board voted to do this, yeah. right? So but I, I don't know the, doing, you know, the yeah. all the details on the discussions yeah. and all that stuff. So I don't know if there was apprehension necessarily up front, and there was a lot of discussion to be able to make that happen. Um, if they're open to it, and uh, they're not gonna, you know, you see this a lot in like city councils and things right. like that, where people team up, and you know, then it's like you know, two different groups fighting each other for everything, um, and you know, obviously the majority wins. So. Um, I guess you'd have to see how the dynamic is um, with everybody there. Um, if, you know, these five seats take it on themselves as though, you know, we have to kind of try to gang up against these guys to see it our way, that might not fly very well. But, you know, if it's, you know, cool heads in the room and all that kind of stuff, then it may work out well. Yeah. I mean, did you have a problem that they basically appointed Christian and Alan to those slots. I didn't. I, I think they, they've been very well. I think they've worked very well with the PCAs from what I've seen. So I, mean, I didn't uh, have any problem with that. Uh, and they're know, um, you know, shorter term they have too. So I get that. Yeah. Cause uh, well, Christian was up there on the stage when they were doing the whole cigar con. That's what I thought, yeah, right. And yeah. all that stuff. So I'm assuming that there's already some kind of yeah. interaction between everybody that, you know, these yeah. are people that um, have already had lots of conversations with the board. Uh, you know, behind the scenes or, you know, they've reached out and shown that they've had a lot of interest in participating. So um, I can understand the, you know, them kind of being appointed. Um, I'm just gonna play devil's advocate for a second and say like, you know, there may be some people that don't like that other yeah. associate members that may uh, say, you know, why wasn't it just open for nominations and votes? Right. And then we could have got in the five, you know, the five that were voted on. So I could see that possibility. Right. Um, but in the end, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll do their time and, you know, work on what they're going to work on. And uh, when their time comes up, 
um, maybe there's a change and things like that. But uh, yeah, I could see people having both viewpoints, but it's not a red flag to me. I don't think. Yeah, I, I agree. Who would you like to see nominated? Oh man. Um, I, I'd love to see Pete Johnson on there probably. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he's even interested or has the time to do it. He would have been the other one I could see maybe appointing a seat, but he's already doing CRA board too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Rocky was up there when they did the cigar con thing. Um, but then with the whole, uh, if you're not here, you're not relevant kind of thing. Uh, now I'm not so sure. Um, so but he was supporting the organization, you know, I, you know, I understand. Yeah, that. I, understand I get it. That. Um, forgot about that already, except when we bring it up. I gotta be honest. I think it's forgotten about mostly. Already. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of people. I, I could probably come up with a nice list of 10 people um, that I think would be, you know, that would bring something to the table. Um, it's just whether or not they have interest in dedicating that much time to it. So, um, so I had, I had, I had obviously Rocky's an obvious choice. Pete was an obvious choice. I had another name, which is maybe going to be more of a surprise name. Oh, well, Nick Perdomo was another one I had too. Um, but I have a surprise name that I think could be based on a conversation we had with him on this show. Jeff Hogan. Jeff Hogan. Yeah. Uh, who was a who is a retailer and is yep. a man a brand owner. I think yep. he would be a fantastic board member. Yeah. I don't know if he's interested in it or not, but he right. has a lot to add. That was yep. the name I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think that would be a very, very wise pick yep. to do that. So uh um how about like you I mean I don't know, you know, ultimately, maybe you'd like to see one of the big four eventually get those seats. Um, but they're not, let's put it like this, they're going to have to wait till 2024, I think, before, if they're going to get a seat at this point, unless something changes. Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, they can still be members of the organization, if even though they're not a team. Right, and I think they show. are members, yeah. Yeah, so that's they're, they're still in play, I would think. Yeah. I mean, the guy I'm thinking would probably be Javier from Altidus. Right. Um, I don't know how that, the board feels about that. I'm just I'm I'm coming as from an outsider there. Yeah. Um, I think he would be the best fit of of those. Um, and maybe Glenn from Drew Estate would be the other one, but I I I know that's been a little contentious, so I don't know if that would be the best thing at this time. Um, but certainly qualified to be a board member for sure. Yeah, but I think so. I mean, overall, Aaron, I thought these were. Po- I mean, I think it's more positive than negative. I don't think I, I give them a lot of credit for it, and it, they went to. A, from what I understand, they went to a real process to do this. Like this wasn't like scribbled on a, a piece of paper. Right. I mean, they went to a process, and they I, they really assessed the organization. So I'm going to give them some credit here for trying to do the right things here. Uh, so Jay's saying that you have to exhibit to run. That's fair. I, I think it's a fair. I think it's totally fair, and I'm thinking, yeah, exactly. And I, I'm still going with my bet that Altidus is uh, the one company back at the show. So, yeah. and I have no information on that, guys. It's, right. It's, I still said maybe one comes back, but uh, but yeah, but I, I think it's a totally a fair thing. I think it's completely fair. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, Brad Winstead from you know, and I know he's part of that catalog piece, though Jr. Right. But but you know, well, Casa yeah. de Monte Cristo, excuse me. Yeah, so. You know, but I don't know how that would play. But yeah, I think there's some good names. Uh, I'm really curious to see who kind of gets nominated and yeah. who gets in on these. I think it's going to be something to look forward to in the spring for sure. Yep. Yep. All right. So here's the question I have for you. The last question. 
a media member getting a board spot. What are your feelings on that? I'm going to ask you that one first. Um, I'd say based on the mission statement, um, there's probably, I don't know that it makes sense. Yeah. Um, like, you know, as an organization for retailers, media in regards to the retail side, um, I don't, I don't know. Um, as a subcommittee for the trade show, I could see, um, yeah. but yeah, as the, I understand. As, the, yeah. as the main board, I don't, I don't know that, um, there'd be much value there. Yeah. Um, uh, let me, I'm going to answer this a couple of different ways. Um, so first up, um, there is no way in the world I would ever do it. Um, so, and the reason is, um, simply I've got to be able to cover the trade show objectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be, especially with, I'm just saying for me personally, you know, I cover the PCA maybe more than most people do. Yeah. Um, so it would be a bad, it would be a bad conflict of interest. Yeah. Um, so there is no way I'd ever do it. Um, um, I don't. And I think I, I'm going to say the same. I just don't think it's worth. I think you have to give you have to go where the money is right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to open more, you're not going to take away board seats. Right. Give more board seats to these guys from the associate members uh, before a media person, uh, in my opinion, on that. I, I just like I said I wouldn't do it. But let's say, Aaron. Let's say, Aaron, mm-hmm. they do it. Who would you yeah. put on the board from the media? Fuck. <laughs> Is there anyone from the media that you would put on the board? <laughs> um, I wouldn't have a problem if Charlie Minato was in that role. I think he would take the same approach as I would, but I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I, I, I think he'd take oh, the same absolutely. approach as I would. Yeah, It's, yeah. You can, it's hard to be in the room hearing everything and then trying to kind of report on what's happening um you know because obviously um you guys when you do coverage of the organization uh you have resources that um are close to the organization that you can you know garner some information from and things like that but if you're in it um it's really different uh trying to do that i mean i don't know that um I don't know that the board would, would even be open to that. Like, you know, having somebody in there that's going to like kind of report on what's out there. If there's some sort of non-disclosure agreement or something in regards yeah, to that. That's so where this would be. That's what you Charlie probably of... would say no, because for that same reason that you mentioned as well, the non-disclosure like, you know, ties your hands is what happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that would be tough. But yeah. if we're just talking on in regards to, um, you know, who could, who could look at it yeah. uh, from, kind of the media angle and um, I don't know what's best for interaction between the organization and the media and the retailers and the media, the manufacturers and the media and all that stuff. Like he'd be a guy that I would, I'd be open to. Cause he understands the industry. He yeah, does. he does. Um, uh, he, he's probably the online guys. He understands it the best. He understands the finance of this. He understands the fast. He could certainly be qualified. I think he would take the same approach as I would with that though. Yeah. Um, and I'm certainly, uh, not qualified to be a board member either. I'm going to be completely honest on that. Right. Um, the, uh, I mean, if you could get Marvin Shankin on the board, I mean, 
that's a big if. I mean, he's got a lot of connections in this business, in this, and in, in, in not just business, but outside this business. Um, but I don't know if he would go on at like a tw- if you're getting into a 21 person board now. Is yeah. Marvin? Yeah, you know, Marvin Shanks is one of 21 votes. How much could he swing on that? Yeah, but I. I'd have a hard time with a with a print media person. Well, um, I, I would too. I would. And that's a that's a selfish reason um, because I just don't think that they have the best best interest for other media in mind. Yeah, I I well, yeah I I don't doubt that. You know, for a second, they would yeah. do nothing to help us out. Right. Um. That being said, I don't think there's a lot from the online, and I don't mean. To be disrespectful, it, it, this is a you, this is a tough job to put a media person on a board, yeah. on a, in an advisory role on a subcommittee. Well, I wouldn't, yeah. like I said, my same reason I wouldn't do a subcommittee is is exactly what I just said. It, it's conflict for me. Right. I, I think there are me, online media guys that can certainly contribute to those subcommittees, and and add a lot of value. Yeah, but yeah, I I definitely just don't want. Imagine if I have to write something that's critical. And I'm serving like of that organization and I'm serving on that board. Right. It's how, or I have this information and it affects what I'm going to write. You know, it it just, I can't do it. There are some sites I think it could do it or or some media outlets could do it, but it would not work for me. I can tell you that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I I said, I'll be on the town hall. I think it's next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, so I signed up for it, uh, today. And uh, we may have some more to report back on after that, yeah. um, for sure. So, uh, and, I, and I was told also there's a Scott. They did a live stream this morning, I, mm-hmm. and I found that out like minutes before this show as well. So again, these are questions I have. Like, they, like I may go into the town hall, watch this live stream, and I'm like, you know what? I get my questions really answered, and you know, uh, I've yeah. talked to Jay. I've talked to a couple of other folks. Um, I, I don't think this is like. I don't think this is like. Let's not beat the PC up over this yet. Right. Um, I think there's some I think this is showing some effort and I get, I like the process that they followed with this. So um, we'll, we'll give credit where credit's due. And uh, certainly Jay's one of the hard serving members there. So uh, we appreciate him as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else before we wrap up? No, I think we're all set. All right. Uh, let's come out for you next week. Monday the 17th, uh, we will do the live reveal that evening, and then the list will be published on the site the next morning. So Ooh, Tuesday the 18th. Live show. There's going to be a live show. Okay, cool. We're going to do a live reveal, yeah, like we did last year. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. That'll be, yeah. that'll be great. So do you tune in to the Developing Palettes Facebook page, I assume? That's right. What time are you doing that? Uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Okay, perfect. Uh, perfect. Um, so a uh, couple of programming notes for next week. Uh, before that show, um, we're going to be doing primetime jukebox episode 61. It's a year in review show, but it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lightweight year. in review. we're not going to want to heavy issues on this show. Uh, we're going to be doing music and cigars. So uh, we're going to be focusing a little more on the music piece. I think than we did last year on that. Uh, but we're going to have McTavish is going to be on there. Yep. Um, we'll have to make sure Well, he's rec- we'll record this. So there won't be a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. We record this on Saturday. And then uh, the How About the Cigar guys, uh, who are are actually pretty good music guys, um, are going to be on as well. So that's Monday. On Tuesday, Bear and I will have Abe on. Honest Abe. Uh, So we'll be doing uh, Special Edition 114. And then next Thursday, uh, another returning guest, we have Nick Sirius from LH Cigars. 
Uh, so he's got a lot going on at LH, and um, he probably could talk a lot about what's going on with the whole Cuba Habanos Festival. Right. He's got good connections down there, so look yep. forward to that next week. And then we'll be unveiling the Primetime Awards starting on Tuesday. So those nice. are finalized. Uh, the accounts have been all certified <laughs> with a little bit of an issue. A couple of recounts. Hey, we, we, had, we, had, we had two recounts. The first recount, we had some issues. I had I made some errors, uh, but we went to a uh, my wife and I went to a comprehensive recount over the weekend on this, like and really double and triple because yeah. we had five people this year, so it was a little yep. tougher. Um, and and when someone's vote counts twice, it skews the results. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks to our audience again for tuning in. As always, we do appreciate you. Aaron, thank you as well, as always. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. And uh, that's going to wrap up Primetime Episode 216. I got that right. Into the Annals of History for Thursday, January 13th. Now Friday, January 14th on the East Coast. We'll see everybody next week. Take care, everybody. See you guys.